as they work down the back straight away, ladies and gentlemen. Here come the late models. It's showtime! Three wide for third into turn three. Three, three, three. Here comes Turbo up top. Out of turn two, down the back straight away. Who's gonna be winner? Turbo shoots the gap from third to first. Turbo takes the lead off into turn three and four. Hi, this is DJ Shannon. You're listening to On The Hammer Podcast. Shoehart slides up the banking lines and turns underneath him and steals the win out of turn four. An unreal finish at River City Speedway. Welcome back, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is you choose to listen to this episode of On The Hammer Podcast. Once again, my name is Ryan DeForest. Alongside me is Brent Curran. Across from me, America's sweetheart, Joe Peterson. We got B-Dog in the house today, as usual. Uh, wow. We had some stuff. We're one week fully removed from the Al Miller Memorial race at Merced Speedway 5K to win for Sport Mods. We're going to do a lot of talking about that. I think we are. And we're less than a week away from the start of Speed Week. We'll be in Bakersfield Speedway. For myself, we'll be leaving Thursday night to get down there, try to get a leg up on that drive. But um, let's jump right into this Merced thing. I really want to kind of unpack some of it. A lot of mixed emotions, a lot of, a lot of stuff that I think seemed to be pretty cut and dry. Um, what people's opinions of the racetrack were. So we're going to jump right into that. But first, Joe. Yeah, before we jump all into this sweet action, uh, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors for this episode, brought to you by Montavo Motorsports, Bobby Montavo and Melissa Fincenti, uh, for the continued support to the little guys of the sport we love, from the drivers, race teams, and to us at on OTH, On The Hammer Podcast. Uh, thank you to Montava Motorsports. We look forward to seeing y'all at the racetrack. Yeah, so where I'm at, I was kind of basically, I, I got to try to pick my words nicely so that it doesn't kind of come back to me. But I really think after this weekend or this pre past weekend, mm -hmm. um, I think it's very clear that the IMCA Northern Sport Mods um, – should not race for this amount of money amount of purse yeah. you know and and it's please guys don't take this personally or or hear me out listen to listen not listen to react i i truly think we need to reevaluate the the position and the, the purpose and the pecking order of our our division in the tier of imca you know and I just think that an IMCA sport mod race should probably never surpass 1500 to a thousand to a thousand to 1500 to win. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just the aggression was just way too high for some reason. And, and it's not like a negative thing and I'm not telling anybody that they shouldn't be aggressive and they shouldn't do that. I'm just saying you got to pick and choose some of this stuff. And there was a lot of unnecessary junking. Yeah. And there's a difference, like you said, between being aggressive and flat out driving over your head and, and not only tearing up your equipment, but 
just junking up somebody else's equipment and somebody else's yeah. chances of, you know, finishing the race. Yeah. We've seen a lot of people that didn't even finish one lap, you mm -hmm. know, let alone make it, you know. Yeah. And I mean, this is coming from me where I'm not like I'm, I'm not. I'm not a front runner per se. I'm probably one of the people that is considered a field filler nine times out of 10. And yes, that is, that does get annoying. And I'm not saying that people all need to realize that they're field fillers or they're junk or like I said, I, I got to really choose my words wisely here. And I want to try to be as clear as possible. I don't think that it's wrong for people to go into a race weekend feeling like they are a car capable or a driver capable of winning an event. I think we are all should be able to share that sentiment. But I think we all, myself included, we, we need to keep a uh, keep a, 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 a sense of reality and, and really think about the fact that we may not be a winning car and, and we could be competitive, but you cannot be detrimental to the rest of the race yeah so not not that you shouldn't feel like you could win or you're successful you'll be successful or this or that you also just have to think about yourself and think okay are my actions on the track gonna cause somebody else to have a worse day than me for what yeah and, and that's where i think we draw this line and and it gets blurred and i i don't want to deter anybody from being confident in their abilities but i also think that people should really think about not how they're racing but how they're racing others others yeah you know what i mean it Brent? just goes back to it just goes back to respect um this stuff isn't cheap um but like kind of like we were having a conversation earlier my dad was able to go with me and stuff like that is i most of the problems i saw were in like races that didn't really make a difference like i i know you're trying to get in on a heat race and stuff like that but if you're driving over your head in a heat race you're never going to get a chance to get into the main where you're racing for that money and stuff like that there's nothing on the line at that point except getting yourself in and you're almost better off just minding your business and stuff because that stuff's always going to come back to haunt you you're done for the day at that point uh yeah. ruin your chances you don't even even ever get a shot i told Ryan and Joe, I wasn't really going to comment on this stuff, and I was going to tread pretty, pretty lightly, but um, I can see a lot of it being changed, and I think we talked about this before the show started, too. I can see a lot of it being fixed and changed if we can find a way to implement qualifying um, and get the get the drivers spread out where they should be, or maybe even like qualify and then do a, like a top four invert like the sprint car guys do almost. Um, at least give those guys at the... I think there's a little bit of a, a sense of urgency when you know you're Bobby Hogue and you're strapped back in the fourth row on the outside and you're sitting in eighth and you got eight laps on a hammer down track to get it done and make it up into a top two or a top three or whatever. Yeah. I think that would a lot of that would change if drivers were to start in a designated order based on how fast that they are and don't have to worry about driving over their head to get into that kind of situation too. I think, like you said, it, it is when you're when you're a top contender and we see that. It's just I, frustration. Yeah. At the end of the day, nobody wants to race a B-Main. You no. know, and they feel like, and what I've seen, it, it feels like I if I can't, I'm going to try to force the issue instead of, like you said, trying to race hard or overdrive it, you know what I mean, and uh, to make it into, you know, that feature. And, and 
And that's where we've seen a lot of junked up equipment, a lot of tempers flaring, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think the majority of it was sport mods and modifieds were all heat races. Yeah, I mean, like, I, <laughs> like honestly, I, I, I can't say that I got a chance to watch a lot of racing because mm -hmm. when you're in race mode, you're kind of focused on your own program. Like, right. I'll go up and watch a little bit so I get an idea what the track's kind of doing, but I'm not really watching everybody and, and picking them apart for everything. We're all doing our own thing. But, you know, just from what I've read, you know, I scoured through Facebook at the end of the weekend just to see, you know, and see what's going on. And, and there's just been a lot of uh, upset and outrage, it seems, for some of that stuff. And, and from what I experienced in, in my heat race and my B main, there was just a lot of unnecessary uh, roughness, a lot of unnecessary aggression, you know, early on. I mean, it's a, it's a heat race. Give it a second, you know let things shake out a little bit. Everybody tries to win, you know, within the first 60 feet of a green flag. And, and it's like, it's the same kind of over and over again. We hear these type of things, you know, everybody wins on the first lap. And sometimes it's the people who say that type of stuff yeah, are the ones doing it. And, and that's where I, I just, I don't understand. When it's amazing it, how blurry things get once a visor goes down. You know, and I just don't understand, like, where some of that stuff comes from. And it, it's kind of, it's interesting to me. But, you know. I, and then I seen also, too, it kind of thrown back to it being, oh, well, that's California racing for you. you yeah. Know? And, this, and I've seen a lot of comments blame, oh, that's how you guys race in California. That's how we do this and that. And I think truly, and, and I've said earlier, I think. As in, as in for West Coast wise, I would say California, if not, has the most, in my opinion, like I said, in my opinion, the most, if not some of the best racers, I believe. The talent uh, level's there. Is, it's just yeah. nothing to show for it. And yeah. And, and like we said, the actions and stuff that did happen, um, I kind of sometimes understand where people would say that about California racing, obviously we were on a national or you guys are on a national stage at that level, being on yeah. IMCA TV and just, you know, the actions and, you know, I hate to say it, people getting out of their cars and, you know, and doing what they did. But, but for me, I, so this whole California racing thing, you know, I, so that could be misunderstood too, because I can't count how many late model races I've seen like back East that guys get out of their cars. We see replays of it on the... I, I think it's dumb in general. Like, we've seen the whole incident with Tony Stewart and stuff like that. Like, stuff like that. Nobody thinks about the consequences that can happen. Like, you go line somebody up to wreck them, and you miss by a little bit, and you drive through the side door bar or something like that, and then that's detrimental. Like, you got kids at home or whatever. Like, you got kids at home. If something did happen, if something went awry then you, the, the responsibility is on you. There's no denying the fact that, like, if you get into a racing deal, obviously that's a racing deal and stuff like that. But if, like, God forbid something does happen, an investigation has to happen or whatever, which I've seen this happen before. That's the only reason why I'm preaching it. I've seen it happen before where something intentional went wrong. And then you end up in that kind of situation and you got a family at home to take care of. All for what? Aside from any of that, the antics... I don't even think the $5,000 will pay your bail. Aside from any of the antics like that in, in regards to, you know, fighting or getting out or wrecking each other and, and making a spectacle of it, I mean, 
okay, we could talk on that a little bit. So there was a on track incident between, you know, friend of the program, Josh Combs, uh, and, and, uh, uh, Paul Stone, um, track promoter for it, uh, Merced Speedway. And, you know, I mean, uh, I think you see it everywhere up and down the fucking this country, you know, in racing, take away the titles of, of what stone is or whatever, take away, I don't know that you need to take anything away from Josh. I mean, but yeah, I mean, it happens everywhere and that type of stuff. Do I condone it? No. Is it stupid? Yes. Um, was, was Josh wrong? No, I don't really think so. Was stone wrong? I don't really know, but did they both get reprimand reprimanded? Yes. Did, did somebody make a, did it make a statement or did somebody do something (laughs) about it? No. Did somebody do something about it? Yes. So I think we just got to build a bridge and get the fuck over it. Um, but I, I mean that, that part is, is what it is. And I don't know that in racing we'll be able to get rid of that passion. And I don't think we want to. Yeah. Like I don't I don't necessarily think that's the type of things that we need to to hammer fist down on and say this is what's wrong with California racing. I, I don't really see that because you could take that setting and that situation and put that in Iowa and Texas and New York and, and like Wisconsin yeah. wherever. That that shit'll fly in Canada for all I The only care. thing that I noticed different is the way since I went back there and um I've been back in Tennessee Mistakes happen and people get mad because of a mistake that happened, but it doesn't happen as you can see it in our cars. Look at our cars after two nights of racing versus somebody back in Boone or anything like these wraps last almost a whole season back in Iowa for the most part. And then we got ours that, you know, there's obviously, obviously a a distinct difference between the two. So for that to me, I, I, I tried to explain this a little bit before the show. I truly believe one of the the differences with California racing versus the rest, the the other 48, um, is it it has to do with the fact that I don't know, I don't really know why, but I think California racers, myself included, and I'm going to speak for a lot of the people that we race with, I think we have a lot of pride. And, and not necessarily in the good sense, myself included. Some of us, we all have a lot of foolish pride. We're, we're, a, we're not the quintessential Midwest racers. We're a, a lot. A lot of us are, are blue-collar workers. We're employees. We work a 9-to-5, a 6-to-2 job. We do this stuff on, on the weekends. We race once to two times a weekend you know sometimes we get a two-day show but for the most part we're saturday night all-stars i mean this is what we do yeah for fun we're not over in iowa we're not over in the midwest where they race you know take our our local favorite shane devolder picked up a win in iowa on a wednesday night by himself and then he proceeded to race he might have raced tuesday the night before, but I think he picked up, it was or Tuesday night. He picked up. I think up it was yeah. Wednesday or Tuesday. So, you know, he races in the middle of the week and then he continues on to race on a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday, yeah. maybe a Sunday afternoon. So to say that there's a difference between California and the Midwest is a hundred percent true because those guys, of course, they're not going to wear their shit out on a Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday evening because they got to fix the stuff and race the same guy again on a Wednesday night mm-hmm. and then a Thursday and then a Friday. 
where we, and I don't know that it's a bad thing or a good thing, but we have one chance. We have Saturday night and then we have five, seven days to fix our shit and do it again the next week. And so, yes, it does promote some aggression, but we're not that. Does it make sense? Kind of like what I I, I, I I get what you're I think when it comes down to it. It, if we raced more, if we were in that position to race more, but we're not farmers out but here. It we're kinda, not. You know it kind of I mean? contradicts itself a little bit in a way when you say that we're the blue collars and we work a nine to five because that's money out of our pockets to fix our race cars. I know. So if we have that kind of, you know, like if that were the truth and we were blue collar and we um, minded our money and paid attention to our money, then we wouldn't be so inclined to go door somebody and tear a right front off of a car or put a new wrap on it three times a year or whatever. That's $700 at a yeah, time. That's it, money it, that you're working for. It really has nothing to do with your financial level. It, it more has to do with, with... I feel like it should, though. No, <laughs> it, it really has more to do with we're blue collar and we work a, a five-day work week and we bust our ass 40 hours, 50, 60 hours. And we only have Saturday night to, to sniff that that, that win, victory, that yeah. win. And whether you're you're racing for tenth, you're gonna drive your ass off to get to to ninth. If you're racing third, you're gonna drive your ass off to get the win. And 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 you have mentally, you have to change the mindset of a California driver to know that I can do this again next week. I could settle with a better finish, but we myself anybody else who races when we're in third we want second when we're in tenth we want ninth and we have in our minds we say okay we have you know we have till next saturday to fix this i have tonight to win this race i have 10 laps to win this race i have a whole week to fix whatever i do or i have a whole week between but that's when i have to see this when i have to see this guy again and versus when you're racing in the Midwest or the East Coast or Central East or anywhere else where they're racing on a Tuesday night and they got 10 laps to go, they're in third and they can move this guy. It's not I have five to seven days till I see this dude again. It's tomorrow night. And or if I wear my shit out right now, I have 12 hours, eight hours to fix it to go race tomorrow night. It's a different thing. And I I, I think it's honestly it's apples to oranges. And the more we get events like this speed week coming up where, you know, once you, think- you get the shock and awe out of the way, I think the first one was really rough. We we saw that because California racers were not accustomed to this back to back to back to back yeah. to back racing. Well, pa- so maybe pause this time- for a minute, though, because there is eligibility. We just watched Pettit run Friday, Saturday and Sunday. True. But or we, we see it. It does happen. We have that. We have the eligibility to be able to do it. It's just it's I, rare, I think, though. I think, I think that's looked it's over. Rare. It's uh, rare. It's rare because you. How many people do you see do it? How many people do we see actually well, do that, it? Well, that but that but that's not. It's it's not. But what I'm saying is is it's it's there, but we choose not to. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. Is it's it's possible, but it, whether we can't afford it, whether we don't have the time to do it, whatever the scenario may be, is it's there. It's presented to us but we choose not to do it is what I'm trying to say. You're absolutely right. I think it totally comes down to a decision that we make. And then if we did do that, that. and then like if we did do that, so say like the majority of the races that I see out there in Iowa and stuff are like Wednesdays, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I don't think many guys run all four days. They maybe do like, we talk about like three times a week. 
Yeah. Which is what Shane did, I think. the the weekend The week that he won, I think he or I think he ran Wednesday, and then Friday and maybe Saturday. So they're racing three days. We have three days too. Sometimes. Like we well for the most part we do like because now with Petaluma moving to Sundays, that's an IMCA track that runs A mods. Then we have Antioch and Bakersfield and everybody and their grandma that runs on Saturdays and Watsonville always runs Fridays. Yeah. And then but it, so it, it I think it, it's it, it brings it back to well, there's two things I could take apart in kind of what you're saying. It brings it back to first off, I agree hundred percent with what you're saying. It is a decision. It's right. something that we all decide on how to race each other, how to race our equipment. Second, when you're back east like that in those situations, you see the racers. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how many guys are driving race cars and work for uh, are a mechanic, but I know there's a lot of farmers. Yeah. There's a lot of people who work for uh, racing-related businesses out there, performance yeah. bodies, race car chassis. Take Shane, for example. There's a lot of people who are a part of the racing community for their job and what they do, whereas out here we're – we don't have race shops. We don't do that. We don't have, you know, the closest thing to us is summit. And, you know, so, so some of that stuff I think is different in the mindset of things because they have a little bit more of ability to travel. Like a guy like me, there's no way that I could race a Friday night in Watsonville and then Antioch and then a Petaluma on Sunday or something like that. Their tracks are a lot closer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not that ours are far apart. We have a lot of racetracks fairly close to each other. I mean, take our Speed Week, for example. I think it's a perfect layout. But it's just, like I said, that's kind of where I'm leaning towards the blue-collar side of our our coast, our area is – we're a lot of uh, average people who work these normal jobs, and our one shot is our weekend weekly racing. And so also what you're saying when you brought up Pettit, that's a big difference. I truly believe the A-mod guys are very different than a sport mod guy. I, and I, I can agree with that. And yeah. so, so those guys, absolutely, it makes total sense for them to chase this type of stuff, to race that. I'm saying at the, the the issue at hand, I really think we need to reevaluate the position and the emphasis we put on the sport mod racing because everywhere outside of this country, sport mods are not, or this state, sport mods are not as big big or there's not as much. They're not that second uh, class. You know, you know what know? I mean? Yeah. And, and it's for, kinda, the, it's for kinda... the majority of the Midwest, it is stock cars. Yeah. And so that's where I'm saying maybe we need to have this this area where some a mod guys decide to try a stock car some sport mod guys try to have a stock car i think what we're having is that we have two massive classes and one that's not and if we could split some of that you're going to take away some of the traffic and we're not going to have the car count will probably drop a little bit but we need to kind of have some of that and we need to have like you know some people would say this about me but I think we seriously need to look at the developmental purpose of the sport mod, what it really is doing for some people. It's maybe time they've hit that prerequisite and they've met the requirements. They've done what they needed to do. Now it's maybe time to try a, an a mod or mm -hmm. in the letter of IMCA, maybe it's time to move up to a stock car, or try that Avenue. Or if you maybe are somebody who hasn't met the prerequisites and you are kind of, like I said, you have to reflect to yourself and everybody has to worry about themselves and think 
You know, it, it's a hard thing to think about. I do it all the time. I think, am I, am I good enough to be in the position that I am? Am I hazardous to somebody? Am I causing detriment? And I truly believe I'm not. And I think my peers would probably agree. I mean, we have bad nights, but I don't ever feel like I'm detrimental to my competition. To somebody win, uh, winning or something like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or, or affecting the outcome of a race. I'm not a front runner. Per se, I have my moments. I have some times, but I'm not a consistent front runner. But I don't feel like I'm detrimental. And some of those people, you know, there are drivers who who could be detrimental, and they have to look at themselves and think, "Am I okay with this, or should I try to do something different and maybe turn, you know, spend a couple more years in a hobby stock or try that or try something else?" I mean, mm -hmm. I just think we have to not be caught up in everybody is a, a $5,000 to win winner. And I think that is fixed by not having these type of events. So w w when you say like detrimental to, you know, somebody's race, what is, what about, you know, I hear all the time, a lot of people say like, obviously driving a full fendered car, like a hobby stock, something that's a little bit, or I shouldn't say a little bit much slower uh, versus, you know, something like a sport mod, the bad habits and stuff that you pick up like that you know, stepping down or I even I've heard even stepping up into a sport mod, obviously it's a lot different, you know, and people say, oh, we don't want to pick up those bad habits or not because we want to start in a sport mod. Is, is, I, is I, a, think I'm saying is I think a, it's a false statement. I mean, most people like me and Brent were talking before the show where I tend to drive more like a hobby stock pavement esque because I'm very square. I, also, because I'm not the most confident sometimes in my abilities. So mm -hmm. I try to be like I said, as non-detrimental to my fellow peers. But also, I don't want to be a pushover, and I don't want to just give things away, and I feel like we should all race each other respectfully. I will always race people respectfully, but you can't always guarantee on some of those others. Now, when it comes to the hobby stock being like bad habit causing, I don't think so. I think every form – I think the racing tiers – I think are, bad are exactly as they should be, and and I, I think there's a difference with youth versus guys who have kind of been older who might be, and I gotta try to pick these words correctly because I don't want to uh, offend anybody truly, but I think you find a bigger issue with the more seasoned guys or somebody who's older because I think there truly is an issue that some guys have with being beat by someone younger than them, much younger than them. I think you have less of an issue. It goes when back to our pride conversation. Yeah, and I think you have a much smaller issue when it in terms of youth, mm -hmm. because I think I think the youth gets very underestimated. These guys, I think the young guys, kids, I'll say kids for this deal, anywhere under twenty five, which is who I am or how old I am. Mm -hmm. So I would say anybody under there, they tend to pick things up fairly quick. So like you know, your Andrew Pierce's and stuff, you know it's not an issue since he's picked it up very fast. And so I think his habits are teachable and, and I don't think he's the problem, but if he was say he, he was reckless and he was wrecking mm -hmm. everybody, everybody would jump on him because he's immature he's young. and he's yeah. young, but nobody does that for the guys who are seasoned, you know, who have been around the block a long time and they're still making those mistakes and they're still being detrimental to the the success or or their peers and affecting outcomes of races prematurely whether mm -hmm. that's through a heat race 
or B features main or even event, main yeah. events coming up and lapping guys, making wrong moves. Everybody makes mistakes, but it's those consistent mistakes when you become predictable and, and you become to have a name for having those mistakes. That's where the problem is. And those are the guys that need to really look at that and say, maybe I need to do something different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and when that stuff happens, it usually it gets masked by the first young guy to make a mistake in a field full of the old guys making a mistake yeah. that it becomes a young guy problem. And then we turn that to an inexperienced driver. And it, it, the lines get really blurred well, when I don't necessarily think that's the case. The biggest stereotype I have a problem with is like the the recklessness of the young drivers and stuff like that. I don't think it has anything to do uh, with their age. It's just, um, I guess, I would have a harder time going back into the pits after I did something wrong and my dad being pissed at me because he's got to open his wallet and fix the race car because right. of something that I did. Mm-hmm. So it, I think kids have that fear built into them that, oh, shit, if I do something stupid – my dad's going to be pissed unless they, unless like it all goes back to the money thing, because then we like to say that money doesn't feed any of this, but obviously it does. Like it's like I said, that if, if we're working these like 50, 60 hours a week, that's obviously overtime. We're using our overtime to be able to fund our racing. If we go tear a right front off, that's a good couple days worth of, that's almost all of our overtime, depending a shock. How much is a freaking shock? Or yeah. something like that. It all goes back to it all goes back to pockets, and that's the part that I don't understand. Because, and that's what I was trying to say earlier is that if we're so focused on the jobs that we have and how hard we bust our asses to be able to get the stuff that we do, why are we so easy and careless about tearing it up? That's that, true. That's yeah. that. That's the part that I. That's the part that I have a problem with. Like, I was lucky enough to like. I'll, I'll be the first to admit I would not be in the situation that I'm in with or right now without Tim. I wouldn't yeah. be there. We, um, there's a lot of adults that I see out there that their parents are still helping them out with racing and stuff like yeah, that. We wouldn't, wouldn't be, be anywhere. Without you wouldn't him. be anywhere yeah. without him. I hate hearing all the time. Like, Oh, you're driving all mommy and daddy's money and stuff yeah. like that. Well, most of you guys are too. And we all been there. And, and, and I don't care if it's your mommy and daddy, you're relying on those sponsors on your car to be able mm-hmm. to fund your racing program exactly. too. So it nobody is doing it strictly out of their own pocket, or it's very it's very rare at that. And it, I, I would honestly think at that rate, the people that are a hundred percent funding this out of their pocket and have that money and stuff like that still aren't going to go tear up their stuff because they're funding that program a hundred and ten percent out of their pocket. Yeah, it, it's but if that that's what I was trying to like, like I said, trying to tell you earlier is it kind of contradicts itself. Cause if we're that blue collar that works the 50, 60 hours a week and all the overtime you go, like I said, a wrap is $700, dude. How much of that is your pay for the week? And then that's money that's not on the table and stuff like that to your family and shit like that. There's a, I still see it a lot of times where I hear guys on Facebook say we tore up a lot this week. We're going to have to take a couple weeks off and regroup. So that's even affecting your race program even more because now you're not making the race the next week because we don't have that money to throw out and fix our cars. Maybe I was being confusing because I was trying to bring in something because I, I kind of I still agree with what you're saying. I think maybe ultimately what it comes down to when I make that comparison to the Midwest versus here is just the amount of track time. I think really separates it. I think the more respect is gained with more racing we do. Yeah. And so like what I'm saying 
is interesting because this maybe because maybe because you know if you get into this guy i'm gonna probably gonna race him tomorrow he's right. not gonna forget I, by and then. that's what i'm saying yeah like i i, I get that part too but you i know. mean a lot of this would be fixed if we just had an idea like like or going back to the young like youth movement if your kids have an idea and you have that built into them on how much shit costs if you go tear it up yeah, it, it's not. There's those kids out there like Bloomfield. I see it in him. Andrew, they have respect for their equipment because they know how much because they also cost. and also because they they fix it themselves. Yeah, they're you know in I mean? the garage. And, but and I'm not saying that Brian probably doesn't help Andrew. I'm sure he does. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I'm saying it's a team effort. At you the know, end but of I'm the day, saying but... at the end of the day when Brian's working or when he's not doing that, Andrew fixes his car and, and, and then, some of those guys and then if do you it have, themselves and, and then if you have a crew worth of people that are wrenching on your car and stuff like that and you come be, bring it back in the pits by something that's your fault and yeah. you're doing from being careless and you got body panels hanging off of it and you're looking at your crew like and you expect them to just or yeah. you put your hand out and expect them to just yeah. fix it rock the power of the suit and you lean yeah, up on the exactly. jack, handle, and it, jack handle and and let them go i mean all that stuff is real. I mean, it's you're, like you're, I said, you know, it's the big yeah. R word. It's yeah. just if any if everybody had a little bit of respect for yeah. each other, money, uh, your crew guys, and the work that they have to put in to be able to get you on the track every week. If there was just a little bit more of that R word, then a lot of this would be, yeah, you know. And like I so said, so I turn the table back to the question: Is it California racing then? Well. Uh, I don't know that it is or isn't. I just think there is a difference. And I and I think I, I don't know that there's a fix for so, it other than, you know, what are you going to do? I one, mean, one difference that I do see from here to there is when there's an altercation or somebody doesn't agree with something, they're handling it in the pits. They're face to face. They're talking about it. They're not using their vehicles fighting. as weapons. We're, we're, no, like, or, well, I wouldn't say that they're not fighting because that does happen. We but want, I know what I'm saying yeah, is they but, shouldn't. You just should have a conversation. We're not professionals. You know, just just have a fucking. It's easier said than done. True, I get true. that, but I never, I have never agreed with the fact. Like, um, there's some post or something on Facebook that, like, if you fight in my pits, you get suspended. If you fight on my front stretch, I give you $100. Yeah, Why? Don't, it's like not about putting like show that, on it, the Okay, so if we're worried about the youth movement and what's coming of our generation, why go show them everything wrong to do? Exactly. Like, it, like, like we say all the time, there's little eyes up there. And now we got – maybe people got used to the fact that there's nobody up there. But then there's some kid in front of his 55-inch flat screen with his dad watching it on pay-per-view. And what does the camera always do? Zoom right in on the incident that's happening. I just – I asked my dad, actually. I said, was this more of a problem or like – when you or maybe when your dad was racing, did you guys go talk to each other and figure it out, or did you guys go like handle it on the racetrack with your race cars? And he really didn't have an answer. His only thing was is that maybe affecting it is the social media because what do we see on social media? Highlights of everything bad that happened. Yeah, so, and then I, and I then they it, almost take pride in that. Like, yeah, yeah, I did that. I got out of my car and I did that. And then it's shared over Facebook thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Yeah, and people take pride in the fact now that they made a big fat mess. Yeah, and, and now made we're an connected. embarrassment yeah. out of something. Yeah, and now we've connected it. So now 
now the Midwest does see the West Coast, and now the West Coast does see the Midwest. That's, yeah. Well, that was like I was in stuff. Tennessee when that whole thing happened a few years ago on New Year's when um, Troy had those body panels hanging off of his car, yeah. and they black flagged him for it and stuff. And there was some other stuff that happened that night, and I can't count like how many people that were watching that in like Tennessee. I went to the races the next day, and they're like, "Dude, your home track, blah 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 blah," and I'm like. Well, okay, so you, <laughs> you you've made a lot of points. <laughs> you, you've made a lot of points, and, and and so to unpack some of it, I have talked with my dad a lot about how things were back then versus now. Most of the old timers will tell you social media, and and he, I mean, I don't think he's said that point blank, but I I yeah. think it's it, they I beat it, it around though. You can tell. I think it's clear. Like social yeah. media has definitely made a difference because when you raced week to week and you got into somebody. I'm sure there was a lot of fighting. There was different. I mean, we. Well, you like, had to handle it then. You didn't well, get like to go I, talk shit well, to each also, other on Facebook about it or yeah, anything well, like that. Well, also, like I said, I mean, I grew up with the late model side of things. So we did a lot of traveling and, and we spent a lot of time at Bakersfield, which we called the Oki Bowl or they called. It was always called the Oki Bowl. Right. And, mm-hmm. and everybody was fighting and, and all this type of stuff. And conversations were had and things were different. The mentalities were different. But you left it there that week. And then what was happened the following week was different and you didn't dwell on it and you didn't, you didn't stew over it and people didn't comment and give their opinions and likes and comments and shares. And, and it wasn't this race to get a reaction. Mm -hmm. And, and also you didn't bottle it up and have the opportunity to not say anything at the racetrack to that person or not have that conversation or not do this thing and then let it bother you and then say something later and you know and then get your clicks once your twitter fingers fly off and i mean i mean probably sometimes i've done stuff like that but back then you didn't have that situation if it bothered you if something happened you made that conversation there or you didn't say anything and you didn't bring it up next week maybe you checked some stuff in your head and you did have a little bit of retaliation on the racetrack and then you paid the consequences for that i mean it is what it is and um, a lot of my reputation I got is from social media back in my past. And I try to tell Brandon and stuff like that, because I feel that's my responsibility as an older brother to pass that on that. How much of a donkey you look like when you're making a mess of yourself yeah, on social media. I mean, and like I, I learned or I earned the locally hated and everybody doesn't like me because of my stupidity online. And you grow from that. But it's hard to it's hard to rebound from that, too. Once yes. you've made a name for yourself that yeah. way. And because- I regret it every day. And like I say, I try to tell him to just bite your tongue sometimes don't say that shit just yeah. let the things play out on the track you're gonna get they're gonna get your their karma you're gonna get yours and it's just it is what it and is the at problem that point. is when it's stuff like that whether it's you or somebody else right you give people the the avenue and the open door to make opinions on you because you've made Absolutely. things public. Yeah, and he's when a crybaby. He and does when, yeah. this. He does that. And, and when it. you keep that shelved, now these people make these opinions about you, but it falls on deaf ears because they've had nothing to go yep. upon. Yep. And so that's where I think a lot of this happens. And, you know, and to your question, Joe, if it is California racing or it isn't, I mean, I guess at this point, yeah, it is. But I think it, like I said, I think it's apples to oranges. I think you really can't compare California racing to the Midwest because it's just so different. You and then compare, back in the but, day, also, but, but you can compare it to stuff like um, Oregon, and because they're pretty much on the same schedule we are. Nevada, 
um, Arizona's pretty close where they only get to race on weekends. And we heard Chase Alves come up here and say, I'll never come up here again because it's that bad yeah. and stuff like that. And that is something that is comparable because True. they're on the same schedule that we are. They don't True. get to race as often. And that's, there's no argument to that. Yeah. It's uh, the yeah. up in Oregon with, uh, like Weinbarger and, um, uh, gray and stuff like that. And you never really hear anything crazy about stuff that happens in Oregon or, um, in Oregon or Arizona. And like I said, in Nevada, Ch yeah, Chase just came from Arizona and his, I, I, I don't want to come back and you kind of feel bad. Cause you're like, dang yeah, it. We know. finally got these guys to come up here like Chris Frisbee and stuff like that. And this is no doing of the event or anything, but it's what us drivers have to show for ourselves. Yeah. And I think that sucks. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And, and so, I mean, like I said, some of that has to do with, you know, how we, we have to look at ourselves and, and I mean, we can't keep playing the racetrack blame game. Yeah. There are yeah. some things where like, it's nothing you know, maybe to do with the racetrack. The, yeah. It's 110% on us as drivers. We're the ones that drive the cars around the track and everybody's racing on the same surface. There's nobody to blame, but us. And I am so sick of hearing that it's the racetrack's fault. I how, had done with that. Yeah. However, devil's advocate, um, the the common argument i think is i think we need to see more black flagging true i mean uh, I, I could think, I, I could think agree with that but i think there's so much like i think the problem with that is there's so much relation between promoters and officials and drivers now yes that like and, and i it's see detrimental. It, and i see it and like that's um, fucking 100 percent spot on it, well and and yeah. that's and i see it because like even my yumago stuff where i i watch my buddies race and stuff and we have to do the black flags there too it's a it's a racing league you have and to the be only thing the only thing you're gonna teach them by giving them a black flag is hey that's not okay don't do that yeah. And then if the, if there's more of that, then yes, but you don't want to be that one to give somebody a back black flag and then you lose a friendship over it and whatever is there's become and Facebook is hell for it because yeah, you can yeah. just go talk about it on Facebook and say so-and-so did this and I got a black flag and it's their fault. It's their fault. And we and talked then, about it earlier. And that's where I think it – I'm sorry, Joe, but it's – there's no room for friendship when you have a, a driver to official relationship yeah. or a driver to promoter relationship. I, I feel like I feel like I can have conversations with Doug Lockwood without a problem. You mm -hmm. know, I, I have nothing. And if and if he got on the radio, not to say that he's the one in charge because he's not a race director or what's the Denny Denny Morris or the get the race director for Merced. I've had conversations with him and I feel like I can have a friendly conversation, but, and I wouldn't say we're friends. Doug but, and I have multiple conversations. You know I mean? He just asked if, or well, he asked all three of us, if one of us can announce at Merced, but he, yet he sent me to the back before during speed week and exactly. stuff like that. And that's where I'm saying like, if, um, you know, if, if I had a conversation and I f I'm friendly with Doug, that's fine. But I also, I would never fault him if I did something stupid on the racetrack or I, I caused a caution, then, dude, I'm never going to fault you for sending me to the back. Or say, oh, you I'm never I mean? coming back to this it, racetrack. You know, or, yeah. But no, everything's classified it. as a bad call. Yeah. Nobody's you ever wrong. I mean? Nobody can own up to anything. It's never anybody's fault. It's and just, where people lose faith is the It non goes big back, back to that big old P word called pride. Yeah, and where people lose faith in that is the non-call. And I think 
And I think some people are so... I'd rather see stupid calls than no calls at all. Yeah, in a way. and sometimes... Like, as a fan, as sitting up there, like I said, I was at Merced, but I sat up in the stands. And seeing it from a stands point of view, I'd rather just see, you know, like, people make mistakes and stuff like that. But if they just go ignored all the time, nothing's ever going to change. Right. And I just think... You put a kid on timeout when he makes a mistake. I think there's examples to be made by it. So... When you when you see these people get away with certain things or or rough driving or whatnot, you know, I think you just lose more faith in a, in a non call when it when you are on the wrong side of of rough driving or you've gotten your stuff worn out and then it it goes by because it's just hard racing. Well, that's not hard racing can be done without junking each other's parts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I just think there's something to that too where. I don't think the racetrack at Merced was at fault for really much of anything. Negative. I think they did a great job with track prep. They worked with what they had. With how lo- many cars that they had, the yeah. track was awesome. That a lot of that was gonna be. That, I think that was gonna happen anyway. Yeah, and you know, there was so. a lot of negative remarks for Friday night's rubber down deal, but. I mean, some of that stuff, and I feel it's bad. out of your control, you know? I feel and, bad for the Millers doing all the stuff that they did to be able to put this show on and then have all the negativity surrounded that has nothing to do with them. Yeah, but I just think, you know, I think the racetrack did what they could. The only regard, not just for Merced, but for almost everywhere, is a lot more, lot more black flagging. Hold and people accountable. A lot more black flagging, and we have to really rein in on this whole, the rookie thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and and sometimes it gets blurred because we're really in in the West Coast. We've really moved to the traveling mindset. You know, where a lot of people like to travel. The weekly racing is kind of taking back seats for a lot of people. So yep. unless you're a rookie staying in and running for rookie of the year points at your local track, just because you're a rookie at one racetrack doesn't mean you're not a rookie at somewhere else. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so I kind of feel like, and it doesn't have to do with your your the fact that you've never been there or not if this is your first year in said class whatever it is from a mod to dwarf car or a mod to four banger or something like that if you're a rookie somewhere else you're still a rookie here and i think you really need to hammer home that you know honestly rookies start in the back i got nothing but crap over that in my rookie year for getting a couple poles and thankfully i didn't you know cause any big wrecks or anything or something wrong but i've seen it happen and then the, everybody's quick to jump on, well, it's rookie, it's inexperienced, it's this or that. So then, okay. I see plenty of veterans do it too. Yeah, and that's true. And that's also where I'm saying some of it is a problem. It's not just the youth. The youth, you could learn and you could teach some of those problems out. The problem is with a lot of guys who are set in their ways and they've Absolutely. they've, sh- they've shut off the ability to learn. Yep. Um, but also to eliminate that problem, I think you really need to hammer home rookies start in the back. And, and you, you move someone to the back. And if somebody's not, um, you know, if somebody's doing something questionable, bad starts, jump starts, you automatically move that person back a row or to mm-hmm. the back, whoever jumped the start, whether it's the pole sitter or the outside pole, you know. If it's the pole sitter, you could probably get away with moving them back a row because they are supposed to be the ones controlling the pace. But if you're on the outside pole and you jump the start, you should go to the back. Yeah. Move that move that whole row up one and just that row, not the front row. Just I, 
I almost feel like that would kind of play itself out too if we implemented the qualifying structure again too because your True. rookies are going to show and stuff like that. But I, I, I can see where – And like, you may not get that. I can see you like may get a rookie who cuts a fast lap, oh, yeah. but you also I mean, have to put that guy possible. back to yeah. the back. That yeah. guy or girl needs to But I'm back. just saying a lot of that problem would probably weed itself out if yeah. you did – or a good chunk of it would probably weed itself out. But I can see where it – like on a local show, like a week-to-week basis, what IMCA does with the points thing is that's that's their thing. But for these big races like um, like Speed Week coming where up. Where a draw-redraw Yeah, a draw-redraw draw thing is probably uh, – as a fan, like, uh, obviously as a driver, it can go both ways. But as a fan sitting in the stands – I absolutely hate draw redraw. Yeah, and and me and my dad were sitting there during the heat races, probably watching our phone more than anything, because there there's just not much goes on. It's yeah. it's that's the way it goes. And then you see frustration, like I said, a lot of the frustration from guys that were buried in the back that probably deserved a shot at winning that thing or making themselves yeah. straight into the A, and then they get impatient. It that that stuff happens, but that wouldn't happen. If qualifying were in, or with yeah. these bigger races, I really they tried it at Pettit last year. It worked and just that, fine. Well, that the and Pettit then, thing I think was kind of a a, a, a scratchy situation because and I'll, I'll, they I'll did it at the that. Superstition Showdown too, didn't yeah. they? Maybe I don't know. I, I think just they think, did. I think that first off with Merced, I I really think there was something weird to it to me. That I think there was one too many classes possibly but the at merced it was uh it was really odd for me the the no hot laps i think really did affect me in mm-hmm. a certain way because a i wasn't there the night before mm-hmm. so my first you know sight of the racetrack was starting on the front row of the right. heat race behind guys who had just wore their stuff out the night before and they're gunning to get into the big show right yeah and so they're driving more aggressive than i should i maybe have elected to go to the back it's probably a good idea but I didn't, and you know, ended up getting my stuff wore out. But coming to the green, control arm was broke, and you know, I didn't know how bad. But I managed to finish the race, and it did some inconsistent stuff. But I think we finished like you know fifth or sixth. We fell right back, but raced it, your way all the way to the back. You know, I raced my way all the way to fifth, and uh, <laughs> from the lead, and so. <laughs> it's one of those things where I mean, some of that is kind of the aggression, and I think. I think maybe if we we lump together hot laps and group qualifying, yep. I think that's that's beneficial. I mean, honestly, you're getting your two now. Now you've made hot laps worth it. You've made the track uh, crews have to do something different about prepping the racetrack. Now mm-hmm. you you can't send us out there in slime and not make the hot laps worth something. I think there's something to that when racetracks prep the racetrack and your hot laps actually do something. So when I was in Marysville, you actually learned a little bit from hot laps. I mean, it was pretty consistent. It, it was, you know, relative to what I had when I ran the heat race. Well, I mean, even if you were in slop, everybody's racing on the same surface, you're still going to figure out who's fast and who's yeah. not. So. And Merced's one of those places too, that I've always felt like sometimes in hot laps under this, under this new group with the SNS promotions, when we, Go out to Hot Lab. You That's actually, pretty much going to be a racetrack. Not pretty much, not that close, but you're actually, it's actually worth it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so now, now you've upped that mentality, and now say you've got your heat races, you know, six cars or eight cars. Now you could send out three to four cars in a group in your heat race groups. You go up there three at a time, 
just like all the MR, MLRA late model stuff. Almost mm-hmm. every other uh, sanctioning body. That's and, what I'm saying and with and the whole thing does. is everybody else has been able to figure it out. Why can't we? You it's know, not and now rocket science. <laughs> yeah, and you could still do some form of a draw. You could do a draw to get you in your heat race group, but your lineup is based on your qualifying. Yeah, you could still do like that's a what draw. they do with the sprint car yeah. stuff at Petaluma. Is you draw to figure out which heat race you're going to be in, and that heat race goes out and qualifies. That's group one, and then that's how you're going to line up for that one. And then and you it's could on still to the second do, heat, and then that's group two. And, and you could still do a redraw after the heat races with your top eight or twelve. Yeah, the because feature. they earned that spot. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. now, now you've just made something a little bit more important and you've weeded out you've set the lineup based on some skill level mm-hmm. right and and you've given it the option to the driver to decide what happens you know where they start where they set their destiny not on a pill draw and it's and that's coming from a guy right here that sucks at qualifying i'd rather just see qualifying yeah and I'm it's coming from a guy it. who's really good at pill draw too yeah Exactly. You know, <laughs> you know, the same guy talking, Brent, is probably one of the best pill drawers I've ever seen in my life. He <laughs> finds the one every time or a low number. And I'm one of the ones who's a horrible pill drawer historically. Oh, you got lucky at Merced. Yeah. Like, and that's the, that's kind of the problem. You I get lucky. That's because I you get there. lucky and I probably shouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. It's because I wasn't and, there. Yeah. And in relation to some of the guys we're racing with. Oh, you and know, you know, there's somebody listening to this saying, oh, that motherfucker started up front probably anyway. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and so and, and I'm, I'm honestly I probably shouldn't have been there because I didn't see the racetrack the night before. Mm-hmm. I only went out for a couple laps for mud packing, which what does that do for you? You know what I mean? And so. It gives somebody a false sense of security, and I think if you you incorporate something that we already have, which is hot laps, you don't add anything else to the show, you don't prolong the event, you just make hot laps meaningful. You know what I mean? Or like even in that scenario where they got rid of hot laps or something, maybe give them like two two laps to just like get up to speed and see the track for a second and then grid up. Well, yeah, but when you set them out for a group qualifying, you don't have to do three laps. It could be, it could be four to five, three fat, your three fastest. You know, all, I mean? it, all, if all they did was just take hot laps, and then sort them by who was fastest in hot laps, done. Yeah, and the biggest issue with like the Pettit side of things because I think they put too many cars on the track at the one time. So then I noticed there was yeah, early you on. Catch tra- but yeah, if you, you have caught more, traffic. But if you, you have, have more laps to be able to like spread yourself yeah. out or pass that person and you still got three good laps to make something happen, yeah. then that's the perk of having but it's like all, five, it, it six all has laps. To be, for, yeah, it all has to be done, though, with either three to four cars yeah, max. No, yeah. So that max, you have a yeah. guy in each corner. Right. You know, Especially you think depending about it on way. how big the racetrack yeah. is. Like a place like Merced, you don't want more than three to four cars out there, I think. You know, Watsonville also is pretty small. And I think that's what happened in some of the early groups. There was too many cars on the track. Then there was a couple guys who spun and then they went yellow and then they reset. So that particular group ended up getting like almost 10 laps because they didn't, they didn't yellow checkered it or they didn't give you a one spin rule. That guy just continued to go. So especially if you spin in your qualifying, you're done. I just think everybody's too obsessed with the the time management and stuff like yes. that when realistically it wouldn't even take that much more time. Well, yeah. Or and especially it, at a place like Merced, that big of a we difference. don't start doing anything until six 30 mm-hmm. or Bakersfield is the same way. They don't start doing anything until five, six, six 30 in the evening. Right. But and then that's again, because it's always hot. You have to have everybody on that right program of doing yes. it. You just you have to be moving. Yeah. You know, and 
And you don't have to to rush the programs. A good flow of the program but I, is important. I but. remember back in the day, like at Antioch, when all the modifieds at one time came out to the infield and sat in the infield for their hot laps. Or so yeah, it, you yeah, do that if for your group it, yeah, if if everybody the pulled out, the same thing. if yeah. everybody yeah. pulled out in their groups for qualifying, okay, so here, if you're doing four or whatever. Or even if you did, if there was that many cars, then do like the first five roll out there, just like Vegas was or whatever. The first five roll out there in their groups. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, group one go, and then group yeah. two go, group yeah. three go. And then as and then one group's coming on, one group's you coming got an off. infield for a reason. Use yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. I totally agree. I mean, there's a lot of there, and there's a I lot. I can of, see where the miscommunication would come in the pits and stuff like that because sometimes people don't hear or whatever. But if you get everybody right there, ready to go then there's no miscommunication about yeah. it. Yeah, and I mean, we're not promoters. We're just, you know, two other drivers with opinions. We're, dri we're two drivers and an announcer and then somebody that kind of does a little bit of whatever. Everything. But a I mean, we're, everything, we're just four, four it's people. It's just an opinion. Yeah, we're that, just we're four just people sharing. with opinions, no different than anybody else with opinion, you know? And so... Not sitting here trying to tell you how to do your job yeah. or anything. It's just an opinion. And I'd like to think we're not trying to be demonstrative or, no, or tear no. this down. We're just trying to give honest you know responses feedback. to this feedback. and kind of what our ideas would be and i think they're not ill-spirited i think we're being pretty fair i just think there's something that you can do because ultimately i think that's the main goal is to get yourself so now you've you've made something out of hot laps you maybe enticed fans to get there a little bit earlier to watch hot laps because it's time trials it's a whole thing mm -hmm. now you know, now they get there and there is no mud packing, which honestly, I kind of like the mud packing thing because it gets every one of the cars out on the racetrack. So you have to kind of switch that to where it's not mud packing. You, you truly treat it like a sprint car deal where it's engine heat, engine heat, you yeah. know? And so now that gives the fans, it's like the calm before the storm, because now you're seeing who's here, who, what cars are here. They're rolling out on the racetrack. Yeah, yeah. You know, guys are kind of revving a little bit, spinning the tires, getting heat in the car. And now you're like, oh, this guy showed up or this guy's here. Yeah. You're on and off. Nothing crazy. We have Jeeps and Broncos and all this other shit to, to pack racetracks. That, that's what that stuff's for. Put van, you know sprint car tires on a van, load it with cinder blocks. That's what packs your racetrack. <laughs> I mean, that's what you need. You know, get like we watched Bristol. They did almost all the track packing with, you know, four old cop yeah, cars yeah. going backwards. I mean, it, it doesn't you don't need to have forty, fifty thousand dollar race cars packing the racetrack. I mean, it truly, to me, I think that's unnecessary, especially when we all almost run the same tire. So what's the point of having a sport mod go out there when a hobby stock or a stock car weighs a thousand pounds more and they could do it, right? Yeah. Does it make sense? I don't think that does. Yeah. And so I truly think engine heat should, or mud packing should really be engine heat. You roll out two to four laps, get the fans who's sitting there to say, oh, this guy's here, this guy's here. And then... You get them there, and they're watching qualifying. They're watching hot laps, which is qualifying. It's meaningful. Get to the days back where you had your fans with their with their sheets where they're writing down the orders because they <laughs> – hey, Oh, they, God, you know, I miss those days. And you want to see <laughs> yeah. who's fast time, and you're excited to see, hey, I got the lineup. I – you know – Get scoreboards. Get scoreboards that work. <laughs> or now, you know, we have our My Race Pass app, so we could follow along and see who's fast, who's mm -hmm. going to start. There's something exciting to that to a race fan. Now they've seen qualifying. Now you get your heat race lineups. You could have that break, or 
in the intermission after the the qualifying cars go out and run their heat races now you have an intermission between your heat races and your b features or your a features now you finally got that period of time to connect the void between the grandstands and the pit area something we've said here numerous times so now's the time even if you factor in trophy dashes or something like yeah, we saw this weekend which was, which was really cool so now you have that period where you know drivers could come to the front straight away throw t-shirts frisbees interact with the people who are coming to interact with us and that's the biggest thing you have to elevate the experience and just like how the people who watch on imca tv or scroll for the live feeds on facebook and complain about california racing and how rough it is the people sitting in the grandstands also share that same sentiment so you elevate the drivers we elevate ourselves we try to think about that and it also elevates the entire program i think in my mind i yeah. also my i also got to give a little shout out to merced um i can't remember his i want to say his name was davy but they had a so they had the imca dude up in the booth and then they had another guy that was walking around was he the one the, giving out like hella shit or her? Yeah, he was giving out like, like giving out bucket, guitars and shit like that. Buckets and yeah. guitars and all, but he was interacting with people. Yeah, I heard it, about it, that. It, it kept everybody busy during the freaking intermissions and every. I even looked at my dad. I said, "This dude knows what he's doing." It's like so. Like, didn't he say like, <laughs> "Oh, uh, if you have a two dollar bill in your pocket or something like that, you like come up, you get like." Yeah, it was I just was like, random stuff, and then like talking to the kids, and then he like he come up with some jokes, like he's like, "Yeah, Kenny Schrader's here." He's he's here. He's driving a modified, and then he and then everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, only problem is, is it's not the Kenny Trader. It's another Which is Kenny. so messed up. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm so tired but of that went, for Kenny. Went, I love that dude, and it got we everybody have, laughing. Though. We have to it get off every- that joke, promoters. <laughs> please get off that joke. Our Kenny Trader has made a name for himself. He's <laughs> not. Yeah, he's done. Our, he's done enough. <laughs> but I just it, it was it it's got funny it, it, it does get it, funny but I, w- I would have laughed if it were some joke about me or something yeah, like that I don't it's, know it I attribute funny. it to like the four eyes thing everybody's told me I have oh four eyes it's like first grade Coke I'm bottles. sure I'm Coke sure bottles. as soon as Kenny Schrader started racing he was like oh Kenny Schrader <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know why is it your car number nine it's like whatever all right <laughs> I'm sure he takes no offense to it but I'm here oh for I'm you. sure he doesn't either yeah I'm here for you bro so <laughs> I'll, I'll rep that for you but I don't know I think there's a lot to that and what you said with like the guy handing out so like if you have a title sponsor or something for certain races like say you're sponsored by the local parts store O'Reilly's or whatever I just remember that was the late model deal with CarQuest. They always came yep. by throwing yep. like keychains and stuff like that, and so. Or even like if you handed out like through frisbees with your like business card taped to the yeah. bottom of it or yeah. something. That's all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This yeah. weekend they did uh, little candy bags. Uh, they were giving out little candy bags in the grandstands at Antioch, which I thought was pretty cool. I think it would be even cooler if you had some drivers come up there, you know, and, and hand out, and hand the them bags. out. You yeah. know what I mean? And you get your picture with your driver and stuff like that and like i said i understand that the, like you said earlier their time crunch and oh we want to get the show in and stuff like that i just but think the, there's it, too much focus on that yeah for but at the end I, of the day yeah. like we said or in the intermission that i'm talking about do that for the redraw yeah i love that i will i gotta applaud like tracks like hanford and Tulare too where they do their little podium and speech like right there in front of the freaking grandstand Tulare. Yeah. that Tulare shit's pretty that. well hanford does too Hanford's yeah. got their victory lane literally right behind the flag stand. What was your point you were trying to make, Joe? 
Um, Did you uh-oh. forget? You yeah, I literally you forgot. No, it must have not been but no, but <laughs> I, I think it was the pace of how they run. Yeah, the, show. the pace of obviously how the show. I know they're trying to do like the, the you know obviously the time crunch and stuff like that. But um, at the end of the day, going to the racetrack is is obviously we have race fans like us that all go. But you have some people that just show up just to yeah because they're there. Yeah, they're just sponsoring to, you a know car what I mean? and this just, is their first exactly. time. They're bringing their family or they're just looking for something to do. Exactly, something to do on a Saturday, and and I think. And you don't want those people wondering. So I don't know, leaving saying, well, I don't know how they did anything, but it was kind of cool. Yeah. You know, you want them leaving understanding like, oh, so this happened this week. Let's go back next week and see if it's the same yeah. and or see what happened. Exactly. And and you know? I, I do that too. during. I try to do that now during intermission when I'm at the racetrack and I'll walk down and I'll say hi, greet everybody, you know, welcome. Like, you know, thank you for coming out and stuff like this and that. Yeah. And it's it's just the benefactor of, like I said, trying to get more people into our stands and racing and stuff yeah. like that. And like you said earlier, previously on the show, you can't just count on the COVID of why people want to come back to, yeah. to you the cannot facility. rely on everybody's wanting to leave the house to get there. You use that as what got them in the door, yeah. but you have to have the show to keep them coming back and, like, and having this negativity, and I mean, like this one was very evident where this one was on us. This was a driver problem mm-hmm. that could have led to detrimental uh, fan experiences. What you got, young Brandon? So I, I got two ideas for any promoter at a racetrack. Um, looking at, the, say, for instance, this weekend at Antioch, there's four classes. Why not get like three people from each class, have them come up to the stands and just talk to them? Don't it doesn't have to be a first place guy, doesn't have to mm-hmm. be a particular person. Just bring them up there because they have their sponsors. They they can talking your mic full. They <laughs> they have I hear you sp- pretty good. Hopefully everyone else can. <laughs> but they have their sponsors. Nope. And plus there it goes again. I'm <laughs> you're good. I, I hear what you're saying. So but like they can please their sponsors. There's the fans that are there. They can talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. It just elevates gets them, them to, yeah. elevating everybody Well, they can else. talk about the kind of cars that they drive and everything yeah. like that, too. It's just not, yeah. And I and it's weird because I kind of just noticed that, too. Not everybody at the racetrack knows, like, what Who's an who? IMCA or no, like my, pa- or my parents modder. used to bring, like, their work friends out to the races and stuff, and they're like, oh, what's that? Or it's <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. And that's but, a big <laughs> thing for you, though, because yeah, you're, exactly, so, you're yeah. so connected to us as drivers for everybody. I think that's a responsibility. You know, I don't know. It's been a minute since I've listened to a broadcast. So, like, I don't know what all Wiley says about the information towards Mm -hmm. a race car. But if he's like if he's like the lead analyst now, now you've opened up a spot where you could take that and in the breaks or whatever, be really head, you know, um, steadfast in, in explaining what is the situation. So really one of the most confusing things is explain the difference between an A mod and a B mod to the people. Yeah. No matter how many times you've done that throughout the broadcast, even if it's week to week, yeah. like take a second to explain suspension differences. These cars have a little bit limited engine, a little further, you know, engine wise is different. Rear suspension is a little different as well as the obvious body changes. You'll find a spoiler on these cars versus you know, not one on an A mod and this and that. Or a two inch spoiler. Yeah. I think, right? or, but I mean, yeah. you don't even have it's to go wicker. with that. I mean, it's just like uh, silhouette wise. Yeah. The sail panels go all the way to the end of the car versus these other cars run a obvious a things side. that they would notice. Yeah. Something to point out. And, you know, 
you know, you could say the tires are all the same. We all run the same style tire, this and that. You don't have to confuse people, but give them that little bit of differenti- difference so that they know something different. A big thing also with sprint cars, you know, most sprint car fans come to the racetrack and they usually know what's happening. But for the people who aren't familiar with it, how many people, when you talk about sprint cars, they all say, oh, that's the thing with the box on the top, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So as an announcer, they have to like differentiate. This is a 360. They're exactly the same car. The engine is a little bit smaller than the 410. There's certain horsepower differences. You're looking at maybe a 30 to 40 horsepower difference, whatever it may be. It's probably more, you know, but it's all that stuff to kind of inform the fans as to what they're doing, whether or not they're listening or not. That's always up. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a toss up, but you do your part. You know what I mean? Or another thing you can do is maybe opening up the grandstands like an hour or an hour and a half earlier and have the drivers bring out their cars in front because most people, they have little kids that won't be up until 10 o'clock at night. How about do like a fan night where everybody brings their cars out on the track the driver and they don't even have to go out in the middle of the pits. They can mm-hmm. just come in, look at the cars. You talk to the drivers. It'd be basically. I always the thought they can just open it up earlier, and we can, like you've said before, with our like T-shirts and go out there and sign hero cards. Yeah, and, and that's where like I'm that. saying with that, either you're opening it up earlier, or you just utilize the intermission in between before mud packing when we're doing nothing else with our life. And I feel like we've devolved. You know, we've driven away from some of the main God, topics but, are ugly. but i mean it's just one of those things like <laughs> it's all a part of the experience and so or, i guess in a way to circle back to like some of the driving is also a big factor in the experience of the fan and i remember coming to speak about that i remember going to uh merced when um when ed um rest in peace ed parker when he used to do that and he would have you know they'd open the they would open the grandstands like you know two o'clock 130 and they would have some of the drivers you know that showed up early have their cars parked up there in in the front of the um behind the, the behind the grandstands behind the grandstands yeah, yeah. and yeah. people can just come in and you could just take a peek look at it and you know see you know what it was well it's just like, like when you go to a monster truck thing or whatever they have where the they have all display. the trucks on display and yeah. they're yeah. like oh yeah that was the car that i took a picture with earlier or whatever. and the driver like, sitting i i remember um you could build see, a fan driver relationship exactly. that Tom way Mitz, yeah. Gr- um yeah. Dennis Anderson. Dennis Anderson, yeah. Sometimes, like, you miss that opportunity. Like, if you had a bad night or something, there's not always the opportunity for the driver to come meet you after the races, but you can almost guarantee it before. Well, big thing, like, certain racetracks, I think, especially maybe, you know, hopefully it's not too late. We could try this for Speed Week or something. Like, certain racetracks along the way have either an open deal where it's driver autograph sessions because we're finally getting some racetracks where it's fans. Mm -hmm. So we're all traveling. We're all going to be on the road going to these tracks. This is your guys' time to shine. You know what I mean? Set up like a little table and just have you guys all sit right there. So I kind of divulge from this one topic from Merced to the Speed Week, which is coming up soon, you know, it's one of those things where, like, we could try this as a way to – you know, elevate that. You, it could be random selection through the promoting staff. They could, you know, night to night, shoot somebody a message. We all have social media or a phone number. Say, hey, tomorrow when we're here, do you want to come up to the grandstands and sit and do an autograph signing? Or we have leave it to all the drivers who pre-registered for the Speed Week. So, you yeah. know, those are the people who are going to be there for the entire duration for both divisions. And then have them go up there and, and sit and reward those people. You know, I'm selfishly, I'm talking about myself. 
but reward those guys <laughs> for for doing that to showing support of this event to support for the fans. So have us go sit up there and we could sign pictures and autographs and interact with fans and and build that relationship so we build this tour, you know? Yeah. I what think you, what you got, Brandon? Another idea for like drivers, how about get like cuz most drivers are married or whatever. If you have t-shirts, have the t-shirts in the grandstand area. Yeah. Cuz most most announcers they're like, "Oh, go in after the races and choose out your favorite driver's t-shirt." Most people, like I said, most people have little kids where they don't can't go into the pits because it's either too late or they want they don't have they to wanna get out of no. the trailers too. And there's some of that too, but you have to run into situations where certain places where it's a touring series like that, take the World of Outlaws for example, it's all part of the program where they have the ability to bring in merchandise trailers that don't affect the promotion or the racetrack yeah. itself. So now you have to work with your local per track promoter. So take Antioch, for example, you have to like incorporate that to the promotion because we're a part of a weekly series. We're not a touring event that comes there. So Antioch Speedway basically has the, the say over if we parked a trailer over there. So you'd have to, you'd have to work with the, the souvenir booth at your local racetrack. So that's a conversation that has to be had with drivers and promoters. And it's usually a percentage game where the racetrack takes a percentage of your t-shirt revenue, which, which I wouldn't said, even care. Yeah. I've said numerous times I'm okay with that because usually by the time I've gotten to, you know, selling at the racetrack, I've already gotten what I've, you know, my, you know, my purchase price back through pre-sale or through people. I know word of mouth through my social media accounts and then by the time I'm ready to, you know, give to the racetrack and split that, you know, that could be split however the racetrack goes, you know. You want to come up on the good side of it, but, you know, if they want to take 3% or 5% or something, you know, whether you're selling a T-shirt for $25, they take 5 I get 20 or we split it right down, whoever. That's just a situation or a decision that needs to be made between the promotion and the driver, you know. It could be a flat thing where everybody gets the same or depending on driver negotiation, you could do it differently, but that could tend to get into a pissing match. So 20 bucks. Yeah. 20 bucks. And so 20 you know, bucks. T-shirts are sold for 20 bucks, but the problem is who gets that 20 well, bucks? No, no. Each driver pays 20 bucks. Most people, most of their shirts are 25 bucks. Sell two shirts. There you go. I know, but, but who gets the 20 five you know the, there has to be that position that split the, so the racetrack gets a portion you get a portion the racetrack gets that 20 and what does the driver get out of it though whatever he makes left out of it because most people they're not just on the are you saying one like you pay a 20 dollar fee to put your, to table, put out your table out there yeah that's what no, he's saying oh a tape oh yeah, yeah maybe exactly. but what like I'm a getting, pit spot almost accepted to your table you have to pay for that table spot you don't have to necessarily we're do overthinking it every week, this it's just the overall like idea of it is there's a lot of you really have space. to like project that out i I'll think kind of a little this bit week. well what i'm saying is you talk with the promoter and you have to it's almost like a contracted thing where you give them your merchandise and they sell it for you but there's a fee for their sales yeah so like they get five percent or a percentage of the sale so say the t-shirt's 25 dollars the racetrack gets five, the driver gets 20. So at the end of the night, 
you would go up there and say, all right, what did we get tonight? And they give you an envelope of a cash or a check and say, this is what we have. This is what's missing. Would you replenish what you have? And then you supply and, and you, yeah, you the can, deal goes you on. So go through this check. Too. One thing that I just thought of. So World of Outlaws, the last couple times they went to Antioch and stuff, they would give you like a, a temporary pit pass so you can go walk around the pits before the races. Mm-hmm. But I like can the see hot, it, cold thing. You, well, sort of, kind of. I could see where it would be a problem because, unfortunately, there'd be a couple bad apples that try to stay in the pits when they don't yeah. belong in the pits. Yeah. I can see that, but there's almost like a – like you can almost open the pits up early too and then have people go in the pits before the races and then mosey their way out you just have but to don't have, you have people for world of Allah shows don't they you can go in afterwards right yeah, yeah. but they had a yeah. they had a thing where you can get a wristband and go in the pits before the races start and then as long as you're back up into your seat by the time the races oh, start, okay yeah just which all it would take is three security guards going around and making sure that wristbands were checked and stuff like that and it wouldn't be it's not detrimental. But, but for that, to me, like as a racer, sometimes I found when I go to World of Outlaws shows, the only reason you would go into the pit area after was to get T-shirts. And I'm not an autograph guy, mm-hmm. so it doesn't really bother me. Yeah, you know? So here. for me, a World of Outlaws show, when the merchandise trailers are up there, that's enough for me. Like I do go in, you sit down, you watch the show, you grab your you know snacks or whatever you're eating. You take a second in intermission, you go shopping, you buy some T-shirts. When it's over, you're out. See, you know what me, I mean, and that's good enough for me. Sprint cars, I wasn't, I wasn't too, I wasn't too big on, but I think with the late model stuff, since we, like I said, since yeah. they never come, they're they don't. Yeah, really come of course, to this, I'd probably want to walk. You want to meet? And see yeah, what's you want I wanted to that. meet and like, you know, actually, but um, but we've really devolved. So like, I mean, back to like the main topic. I mean, where do we all stand so far on the? you know the merced deal any final thoughts on some of that so we can um, kind of wrap that the final thoughts I, I think for merced deal i think it was a great event mm-hmm. absolute great event um i was kind of talking to myself a little bit earlier about it um it was one of those type of open shows that we mm-hmm. don't really hardly ever get to have it was unique early in the season early in the season yes yeah. um it was surprising and it just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of showcased, like you said, the type of money that was on display. And then just the money equal the racing that we got. Yeah. Um, which I think racing wise, it, it was kind of. I mean, by good. the time it got to the features, it was interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, they weren't bad. I mean, crashes on the racetrack happen. Gonna happen you know, yeah. like that. That was very unfortunate for former sponsor of the show, Todd Gomez with All Spec Sheet Metal. Thank you, buddy. Completely destroyed. You know, car. he he had to use a lot of that this yeah. weekend with with his race car. Unfortunately, that thing was was toast. But I mean, and and you know, that was involved with uh, Les Friend. I think ended up getting into the wall. Something happened to him. Yeah, and he was stuck um, there. Todd came in, nowhere to go, and then it proceeded to pile up. It's racing. You're not going to be able yeah. to to stop that type of stuff. I mean, that happens, right? There's nothing in, in any of their control that caused that. Um, and likewise with, I don't think there was too many big wrecks with, uh, the a mod feature, right? No, I no. no. It, I mean, so, so that, and, and I mean, there was some stuff that truly was racing deals that you'll never be able to, to stop from happening. But some of the driver to driver, you know, reckless maneuvers is a problem. But I mean, before we, 
get to what you're saying, Joe. I mean, shout out to Jason Bannister for collecting up, that yeah, 5,000 check. He was super fast, dominant. We stood there and watched. I think I picked him, and you were going yeah. with – who'd you go with on the front? I went with, I went with Frazier. Started on Tommy, pole, yeah. yeah. Shout out Tommy Frazier, first yeah. time at Merced, which I was shocked. Yeah, I never finished, knew that. finished third. Finished third. Led for quite a while, ran second for quite a while, yeah. and, then, and then ultimately fell back to third, which was a great payday for them. Um, and then Kellen picking up the $2,000 yeah, paycheck. guy, Kellen Chadwick, um, did a great man, job. Man, holding off Cody Laney and Ethan Dotson. Was, that was a show. That was, yeah, that was, that was something. A show. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Two, I think, uh, two no, Vanderbilt cars yeah. running one-two for a minute. That and, was pretty cool. And I think it was crazy because I think a lot of people kind of have, forgot, have forgotten who Kellen Chadwick really is. You know what I mean? I yeah. heard a lot of people say, oh, well, watch the five car. Oh, Ethan's going to blow by him on the top. Yeah. And Kellen was wicked. Kellen was wicked fast. I mean, yeah, Kellen you really, really got to put some respect on his name, yeah. honestly. He, he, he did, did a great job. Yeah. You know, and um, Ethan Dotson, I think, picked up the I, this is the, the stock I didn't car. Watch. He picked the, yeah, up, yeah, I didn't right? get to watch a lot I didn't of the get stock, to watch car the stock car either. And also kudos to the stock car guys, because I didn't great race of... in the stock cars. I can't remember who the other dude was, but it was a drag race to the Garrett line and they were back and forth. No, really? I don't think it was corn. It was like that purple and black and yellow car. Um, oh, it might have been one of the Johnsons. The no, 26. it wasn't. Was Johnson. it Mark Rogers? Fat fact check guys on it, but it was it back was, um, and forth, dude. It was it was a awesome race. Yeah, for the I lead. mean they they did a great job. Oh, Jeff Streeter. Yeah, Jeff Streeter. Okay. Oh wow, good for really? them. Yeah, yeah, good for good them. Good to see him running good. Yeah, they um the the stock car. Hats off to those guys because you know. Actually, Ultimately. take that back. It wasn't black and purple. It was like the one car that I looked out there that I honestly looking at the. You can almost like look at the car and be like, I don't know. But he had like the aluminum doors on it with just some like vinyl numbers. The last car I expected to be going after Ethan Dotson, but he gave it to Ethan. He was yeah. on him. Yeah. That, I mean, kudos to the stock car class and everything. I mean, out of the whole weekend, they had probably the least amount of drama, it seemed like. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they're they're obviously having fun. All those guys are racing each other well, and they're enjoying the this, hobby stocks were awesome. Class. Too. The hobby stock deal was. Yeah. Pretty shout cool out to uh, Demasi Scoggins. Picked yes, up that great win. job for yeah. him and, and their operation. So, you and know, that was a it was a close. I think it was it was good to see him win because of just the whole Tracy. And, yeah, and, Tracy Webster and, and uh, whole Terrence. Family. Yeah, how yeah. I, I believe they raced with um, the Miller family with the for Miller a long family time. for a while. So, yeah. but also I wanted to bring up the whole um, the fifty fifty raffle that contributed mm -hmm. for um, Brian Zachary for um, the Jordan Strong yeah. um, over thirty six hundred dollars. That's incredible. The yeah, racing went, community is amazing. Yeah, it went directly to their family. Over. I mean, over ultimately, that when you look at all the drama and you look at some of the stuff where life really does, you know we could take away you got to take the good with the bad and yeah. roll with the punches it, it's gonna be what it's gonna be but yeah and ultimately out of some of the stuff negativity like that through, shines a big light over racing, everything yeah. it shows that you know no matter what we are a family and we all take care of our own and so that's awesome to see and and shout out to one two with josh combs and everybody and jessica for really spearheading that thing and helping them out that's it was incredible so yeah it was, it was really cool it was for really them. fantastic and uh before we uh try to slow this down i want to give another shout out to um montavo motorsports uh bobby montavo and melissa Fincenti, once again for their continued support to the little guys of the sports we love from the drivers race team and us at oth 
Thank you, Montava Motorsports, and we look forward to seeing y'all at the racetrack. Yeah, and I didn't get a chance to see how he did at Petaluma Speedway. Yeah, I didn't. Too, I so. know they. they um, I saw I talked him at to... the. I, I ran into him at the Safeway while I was getting a sandwich before I left for the races, and <laughs> so we talked for him. Yeah, minute, I heard. But... I heard they they had some motor problems. That's I unfortunate. But... Uh, but uh. Yeah, I I'm not for sure. But we're looking forward to seeing you on the speed week there, Bobby. Appreciate everything you do, and, and Melissa, too. But, um, you know, transition, is there anything in the middle before we touch on this speed week thing and kind of wrap this show? What about that? We put out a poll about um, was it clean, was it dirty? You make the call on uh, on Bobby Pierce and Ryan Gustin. Da, da, da. What a time though! Like nowadays, <laughs> now we th- we look to Ryan Gustin as like the as like a vet guy. When you know, for all of our lifetime, he started out as like the Bobby Pierce, the young guy, kind of brash. You know, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's weird. I never noticed until I've I, always been a fan of the until Reaper. I've talked until he talked in his interview. He's not. He said it's only been like maybe a handful of times that he's actually ran an IMCA car. He's always been an open modified racer. Yeah. I, as opposed I've never to his really, family. Yeah, I've never really you paid know. attention to that. He did a lot of U.S. I mean, he was the in the original Dirt Nights. I mean, the, yeah, you're right. The original his little run, baby face. Little. Yeah, with the Gressel <laughs> Racing. Number yeah, nine, you're right. Yeah. 19. I mean, I love that car. I have so many T-shirts of that that race team. That was such a my my favorite shit yeah. ever, with the gold leaf around the numbers. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man, I love that. So, wow, looking at looking at it right now. Um, so we have the poll. You make the call. It was the Gustin should lift or the Pierce dirty, dirty ass slider. And um, it was it was it was more than I kind of thought it was going to be. Thirty six percent was with the whole Gustin should lift. Sixty four percent. Obviously, the Bobby haters. Um, <laughs> is it, is it Bobby, Bobby haters or did he I actually, say it's Bobby is haters. He dirty? I mean, is I'm it, a Pierce posse all the way. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is it more of a fact? I mean, Bobby Pierce, friend of the program. He's been on this show. Is it more of a fact that? We have built up a case where we have seen this happen multiple times with Mr. Pierce. And I feel like that's where the results lead off of. Yeah, but has he made the bed he's sleeping in? Do the people say this because they've seen it happen more often? Or is it because he's, you know, in in terms of our co-host here, locally hated? People just don't like him, which I don't know that that's the case. I talking to him on this phone, on on our program, he's a likable guy. He's really relatable. However... We've seen this type of stuff from him, so it makes it's it. It's almost apparent. crazy to me, and I thought about it after the whole thing happened. How similar, like in the fan world, Bobby Pierce and Tyler Erb are. They're they're <laughs> the reason Boom. why they don't work, and Boom. the reason why they are so so hostile towards Just each other is they are the there. same person. They are exactly the same, and they those two love them or hate them are what is needed for racing. <laughs> Those guys are what they're a person eyes on this sport. Yeah. So we had ten votes. Like I said, ten votes went for uh Gustin should have lifted. Uh eighteen votes went for Pierce through the dirty slider. Mm-hmm. My opinion, I think Gustin should have lifted. Uh, but we know now, where your allegiance is. Now when lies. you hear about the interview afterwards, I think that's what kind of swung possibly people's views to oh, he threw a dirty slider and he did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. I don't know what what do you guys I didn't get a chance to hear the interview so somebody enlightened me he I don't remember exactly well I guess we all did he our was homework. pretty he, well no he was just 
his attitude Stick to the local it, stuff, OTH. Yeah, his, we get well, it. His, <laughs> <laughs> he pretty much said he should have lifted. This is this is late model racing. You know, it is. Oh, it he is, did like a Denny Hamlin. He did this kind of, track yeah. racing. That's not Denny um, Hamlin. That's Joey Logano. I know, but he was making fun of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He pretty much said that. And uh, he's kind of said, you know, we've been there. We've done that. I, yeah, he made a lot of. He, he really favored the whole. These cars are hiked up, and maybe he didn't see me down here, and blah blah blah. And, and once the car does get hiked up, like I'm like, sure like Joe said, in my opinion, in my opinion, if they're going after a win and they're trying to race and stuff like that, you see somebody driving in that deep underneath you, then turn it back underneath them. It, yeah. Um. But in a perfect world. Yeah. But after his interview, like like I said, even a friend of the show and stuff like that, I was a little like. Yeah, come on man i can see where come like, on people man. are upset like this was your time to shine bro yeah. <laughs> but in the heat of the moment you say things and but then, i'm sure he sold some t-shirts you know at the well, end of the it, day it, right he, like i said he didn't lose like, a fan in me i'll say that so. yeah like i said with the turbo thing you either love him or hate him and that's the way that it is with bobby too you either love him yeah. or you hate him there is no in between I, I think it gravitates to obviously bobby has been in that the car longer um he grew up in a in a crate um, mm-hmm. Gustin's coming from a a whole different, you know, car as in uh open wheel stock car, late model. I mean, uh, open wheel modified. So I don't know. Like I said, Gustin, I think Gustin should have lifted. Um, worst case scenario, I didn't think that was going to happen to his car. The dude's going to go upside down. And like they had a couple more laps to sort it out. If it came down to the very last turn of the very last lap, then yeah, maybe. But like, I think if, if somebody's throwing a slider, I think it was four to go. Yeah. It? You don't gas it up like, on the obviously, cushion and obviously, to go for it. Obviously, the old squirrel found out a way to get by with four to go. So yeah, the yeah. squirrel, the squirrel, Brian Shirley. That Brian is Brian Shirley. Um, so let's wrap this show up here with this final kind of kind of talking point. We're less than less than five days away from the second annual IMCA <laughs> California roll, Speed Week, starting in Bakersfield Speedway. Then we take the shot up to Tulare. Hanford, Merced, take a day off, breather. Let's relax a little bit. Maybe we shoot a show on the hammer. Who knows what we're going to do? Maybe we're just going to sleep. Who cares? <laughs> Fix our trash. Then we're going to head to Antioch Speedway, Petaluma Speedway, Placerville, and then we finish it off in the college town. Bring on the honeys. It's Chico State. I mean, Chico Raceway. Chico State. <laughs> Chico Speedway. Is it Raceway? Is it Speedway? Do Silver, you know? dollar Dude, Silver, Speedway. Dollar. Silver Dollar Speedway. Dude, Sorry, guys. Off. Oh, Sorry, guys. <laughs> but, um, I'm Good I'm Lord. stoked for it. It's gonna be great. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be a blast. Shout out to Elliot Digital Designs making the trophies. There's some commemorative stuff that he's coming out with. It's pretty badass. Hit them up. They're doing all the photography work and pictures. I don't he know did it last certain, year too. Yeah, great job. He does some awesome work. I don't know if um, any of the local tracks will have their own photographers. Uh, maybe we could talk with Katrina Niss if she's gonna be around shooting as well. Sarah Pointer at Antioch. I don't know who else at some of the other racetracks. But Brown Town Photography or Brown Town maybe yeah. if he's around. But um, but yeah, dude, I'm I'm stoked. I'm ready. We're getting geared up. Like I said, my do you have all your gears that you need? I have a pretty good idea. I was putting Weren't a feeler. You looking for gears? I, I put a feeler need, out the I other day. I think you need three of them this time instead of two. Well, I put a feeler out the other day thinking about maybe a a different gear to run at Placerville. But yeah, I was if kinda, I were to go back to Placerville, I would have gone with a taller one too. Yeah, I was kind of persuaded w- w- through talking with Brian ba- uh, 
Brian Cooper mm-hmm. um, a little bit about some of the gearing that he was running in Chico. Cause I, I kind of, I thought, was impressed. They were running five eighty threes at Chico. Yeah. That was, I was what really six. Oh, for sure. That was what really, well, I was yeah. thinking Chico was a lot closer to Placerville size, but when no, I started it's a little bit bigger, when I started looking at videos, like it, Watsonville, it, maybe. Yeah. Like, and I run yeah. at six. Oh, at Watsonville. So, so yeah, I think I'm kind of in the ballpark and, and I'm not going to ran a six. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I was able to, to get around Placerville. Okay. Last time with what I had. So, mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to chance it because changing those gears is a pain in the ass. Well, you're really... off in no man's land with this open motor stuff. Yeah, it's too, slightly so. different, but <laughs> I, like I said, I managed to get around it okay, and I don't want to have to change a gear anymore. Yeah, I, I ran a six zero so. at Placerville, and in the when it dried out, it was okay. When it was hooked up, it was a little boggy. Yeah, so to me, I think I'm I'm pretty much set with my my good old gears, which is six twenty, is pretty much where I'm at almost everywhere all of our racetracks are fairly similar so like the guy said i run an open motor so i could i could stand a skosh more rpm than most mm-hmm. a skosh Pro- probably uh we're probably going to get our our gears in order for stockton and T- or not stockton hanford and tulare are probably pretty close together a little bit different layout maybe i think tulare has a bit tighter corner longer straight than hanford but um but we're going to be pretty much good there and i think the only toss-up i have is petaluma i changed a gear for last year i think i might not go with my 620 for petaluma i might go just to on the crate side of things i ran a 60 everywhere except for hanford and i basically ran the same gear everywhere too i think i overthought just because it was too hot and i really didn't feel like changing yeah (laughs) and i think i was a little (laughs) too hot for petaluma or too too uh i overthought petaluma a little bit so I think I'm going to dial that down. I don't know that I'll run my 620. I might find something in between that. But um, yeah, I brought a 583 with me for Petaluma just in case because yeah, I was thinking I might have needed it. But And I, I think I put the 583 in it, and I didn't really like it. I mean, luckily the track was heavy, so I was able to yeah. just stay in it, and it, it was bearable. But um, I think we're I think we're squared away on the gears. Like right now, we talked about I drove my dad's truck to the, to the show today because – if anybody knows me at the racetrack, they know I bring the entire damn shop with my little operation. <laughs> and so not did we try to decide to bring less stuff, you know, less is more. I was laughing because I saw a picture of Michael Johnson out there in Wisconsin now. Mm-hmm. That's a good rhyme. Um, he had like barely anything. I was jealous. He was pulling his trailer with like a little Chevy Colorado and everything. I was like, one day I want to be fast enough to only bring like two spare tires, <laughs> a toolbox and some nuts and bolts. But no, I bring the entire damn shop, all 3,500 square feet of the thing. But now <laughs> we're building a, t- uh, like a, but we head- don't have shops out here. We're no. building like a headache rack thing. So I could put a shelf on it so I could haul more trash to the racetrack. So I'm ready. You know, we're, we're getting ready. You may as well just have a designated track vehicle so the stuff well, never that's has what I was well, huh? That's what I was telling him. I was like, dude, we need a chase vehicle. Well, that's like our freaking trailer or whatever with that big old box in the front of it. That's our that's our shop. And yeah, when, dude. When we're at home, we get stuff out of the trailer. We don't get stuff out of the garage and put it in the trailer. We oh, get stuff yeah. out of the trailer and bring it in yeah, the garage. Yeah, I've got stuff because I got one of those <laughs> decked boxes in the bed of my truck. So it's like toolboxes. That's where suspension parts and everything live all year round. So. But I shouldn't disclose that. But. Um, also, I want to give a quick shout out. Um, Carl Berenson, one of our local uh, A mod drivers here at uh, at um, in Antioch, 
looking for a pit guy, at least oh, yeah. looking for some experience. Obviously, he's going to try to do, I believe he's going to try to do the whole speed weeks. Mm-hmm. I believe Ooh. I'm not really for sure. Good for um, him. On his thing, it says if you can do Friday to Monday, um, paid entry and whatever, food, drinks, uh, message him. Uh, so Carl Berenson, if you guys know, good dude. Yeah. And he, yeah. he'll really take care of you for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the biggest things I think about this deal is finding the help. You know, yeah. one of those things that plagues me, like right now, I think it's just going to be me, my dad, and Shauna. Maybe I could hoorang Joe into calling in sick to some of this <laughs> stuff and he could ride with me for for work hopefully his company doesn't listen to this program but um you know <laughs> oh, yeah. it's it's definitely i a think big i might thing. be able to get you at petaluma and yeah antioch. you know and i think like, i'll come out and well the, the biggest and one is stuff. like antioch and petaluma where it's local i got all the help in the world everybody wants to come to that one it's it's the long haul down south when we're gonna stay Wins. down there that, that everybody's like eh, i don't know you know, but it is what it is. It's cool. You know, we we all do this. Right I might community. be able to make Merced. Wait, Merced's on a what? A Monday? On a Monday. Can't make that one. Day. Yeah. We're all do this by committee. So once uh, <laughs> once we're at the racetrack, you know, everybody is willing to lend a helping hand. So that's but, the uh, thing. That's the reality of it is you got a flat. There's 20 people there to help you change it. So. Yeah. What's some of the expectations that we have so far? What are you looking forward to seeing? What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward and I'm going to say... Um, I'm hoping they get that last year was a huge lesson on the fact that we got like we had six races last year. We got eight this year. Hopefully they can get through the first couple nights without tearing stuff up. Yeah. The drop race is going to be very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think it's going to be good. I think I would hoping um, same amount of cars um, as for expectations for racing. I mean, it, it is a speed weeks. Um, yeah. I hope people realize that weeks weeks. Um, well, that's really. what I was just trying and, to emphasize uh, is that yeah. you got a long, we've got some time. Go. We have yeah. time. Um, you've got time and you've got a drop race. You yeah. don't have to not be there for it. They just take your low, they, you know, they drop off your worst night. So try to only fuck up one night. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I, I guess that's probably a bad thing too, because now everybody's going to be panicked as what is their bad night. So yeah, just everybody just have fun. Let's all, Let's all remember it's earlier in the year, so let's not destroy. We got everything. a whole season left. We've got hopefully a lot I'll of race- be around to play after this. Yeah, deal. we've got a lot of racing to do after this week. So yeah, so I think know. I think it's gonna be good. Like I said, um, I got uh, to drive the old BMS since the last episode. I got to drive a car for the first time since November. When'd you do that? I went out to play day on Wednesday when we were talking about it. Their little. Man, incognito. I didn't even yeah. know. There wasn't a picture or nothing. Not nah. your typical Brent Curran. Nah. Let's see if I can still do this type of thing. <laughs> I didn't even know. Nah. How'd so it let's go? Talk. We figured some stuff out. That's what I wanted. Oh, yeah. Fred came over and showed him some stuff. So. Yeah. We figured had... enough out to where you might want to try it on What's that? Come Bakersfield or anything. Nah. nah. Well, well, we'll be in Chico. Uh, me and my dad are taking a trip to Chico to play with the toy cars next weekend. <sighs> so... I'm uh, like I said before, dude. I'm ha- I'm I'm starting to make myself nervous that I'm falling for that toy car stuff because the maybe try it. Come the up, the drama's to cut to a minimum. We get- you you well you enjoyed you enjoyed racing at Petaluma. Load that thing up. Come out to Petaluma. Yeah, I might try that. Join out. And- it just depends. I got I sent you guys in the group. I got some pictures of my car almost done over there. Yeah, it looks DC, really good. So. That's the that's kind of priority right now. So yeah, keep the keep the parts straight so we have everything to sort of transfer over to the other one. But yeah, we 
our fuel issue, we thought we had the, the coil wire was wrapped in the rest of the wire loom and all the other wires going to, so it was, I don't know if you've ever heard about that. It was news to me, but Fred came over and he goes, well, there's your problem right there. And the, the coil wire, I guess is so strong. It gets the electricity from all your other wires. It's just an amperage draw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it makes the, I guess he told me that Aaron Crowell, like, broke one of his oil pumps and ended up blowing up an open motor because he did something like that. Mm, interesting. So but, I yeah, think PSA to everybody, do make sure your coil your wire, wire <laughs> is way away from all the other So I think let's talk about let's talk about who's because next episode they're going to hear is Speed Weeks is already going to be started. Who's hot going into Speed Weeks? Both classes. I think I was thinking about that this morning on like seeing if we could do some picks or stuff, but since we don't know who's all running, and st- that's pretty. Well, we could go off of the pre-reg list, and I'll say right now, the hottest people to look the for banisters. is the Bannister group. Jason and Tyler, father and son duo, they are going to be especially in the starting nor- off in, in Bakersfield. Soda, yeah. This is home for them. Tyler in the been, sport mods. Tyler's been really, really fast. Mods, yeah. Jason's been really, really fast. So definitely look out for them. Always look out for you know. Guy Alwart's great. Tre- uh, Fred Ryland's going to be really fast. Oh, yeah. I totally know, forgot Fred's racing you know, the whole thing. This is going to yeah. be cool for Guy. He didn't get to run this whole thing last yeah. year, so I'm looking forward to spending the week with him. I think he only ran one. I think it was yeah, just Antioch. Yeah, so, so that's really cool that he gets to be a part of it. I mean, there's there's some names Does our defending really... champ, you think, how, how does he do? Is Garrett he even Jernigan? on the – I don't he... see him on the – Dude, he didn't even race Bakersfield on Saturday. Yeah, really? I don't see What's him up? on the entry list. Maybe he's saving his stuff to do it, but – It'd be great to see him. Also, Jason mm-hmm. Nation is going to be fast. Maybe he's a one and done, and he's like, I already won this. Yeah, Jason it. Nation's going to be. I mean, I don't know how you could mu- do much better than win all, mm-hmm. than sweep the entire thing. I mean, Garrett Jernigan definitely stamped his name on this deal, and he made Speed Week his own. So. Yeah. I'm totally with you with the um, with the uh, Jason Bannister. As in, I switched gears to, to the Modifieds. Yeah. I feel like it's really hard to... Just by the way he's been driving, it's really hard to to not say Jim Pettit's going to be pretty fast. I I don't I don't know. I just have that consistency above con- anything. Yeah, yeah. Pettit. And uh, my question that I was thinking of on the way here this morning: Does Bobby show up in his red deuce, or is he going to drive that white rage? Well, looking at looking at this deal, I don't really even see him on the pre-reg, yeah. But you got to so. know he's going to end up running that. Thing. So yeah, Come you on. know, <laughs> I think he, I think he'll probably run the rage car. Um, so I feel like he's he will, putting yeah. a, he's putting a good case together for it. He's been kind of and you're not just gonna out, switch it up and working the, out the kinks. Yeah. You know? he's probably gonna bring two. He'll probably bring that rage and a GRT or something else, mm-hmm. like he did last year. Switch off between a couple different racetracks. Oh right, that's right. He yeah. Did, huh? So, um, on the on the A mod side of things, I think definitely after this last race we watched, you got to keep an eye on Kellen Chadwick. I mean, he's he's pretty good at these tour races. He's a those he's a, wins light a fire, dude. Yeah, he's it a former champion momentum. of the Wild West Mod Tour up in Oregon, two time, correct? He knows yeah. how to race for he's points. A two-time, that's for sure. He's a two time champion of the Wild West Mod Tour up in the north, in the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, I think you got to look out for Robbie Sawyer, the 198, the man we love to hate. I mean, he's he's gonna be fast, and uh, who uh, there's there's a ton of names on here, you know. Anthony Slaney could have a couple good runs, especially heading towards Petaluma. Um, you know, 
it's going to be fun to watch. I think it's going to be fun to see. And, and I was really happy with how the AMOD deal went last year because yeah, we had winner a different, different winner each, every yeah. night. And mm-hmm. every race, every driver was a unique person to that facility. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nick DiCarlo oh, winning in Antioch Speedway. Yeah. Uh, Folger who, won Petaluma. You know, Bobby Hogue picked up the win at Placerville, right? Yeah. Un, un kind of kind of surprising yeah. to me because it was like a racetrack that i didn't know bobby raced at or if he had ever before Mercedes he Robbie does Sawyer. he does bobby hogue type things right yeah. and he won there troy folger at petaluma nick antioch like we said you Sawyer know i at, hope trevor fitz runs the whole thing because that dude's moving lately too yeah yeah he oh did yeah a great i forgot job we did we, yeah we got to night. talk to him too during yeah. our little pit walk but um, um who else? I wish Cody Laney would run the whole thing. If he's not running it, if Dotson's not running the whole thing, dude, you got some. F- who? Yeah, I mean, who else won on the AMOD deal in Speed Week? So there was Petaluma, was Kyle uh, Heckman at Hanford, Kyle Heckman at Hanford, and who won at Bakersfield? Devolder won at Bakersfield. That's right, Devolder yeah, won at Bakersfield, and Robbie Sawyer at won Merced. at Merced. Yeah. What was after Petaluma last year? Was it? It was Antioch. 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 So that was Nick. yeah. So you got oh, yeah. You got went the other. You got way. Bobby at Placerville. Uh, Troy at Petaluma. Yep. Nick at Antioch. Sawyer at Merced. Merced. Heckman at Hanford. Uh, Hanford. And then and, um, uh, Devolder. Shane at, at yep. Bakersfield. Old Shane Supercuts. Yeah, that's an awesome. I mean, that, that's the best case scenario. And then you had that stink fest in the sport mod where Garrett Jernigan just won the whole thing except for the kryptonite sitting next to me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and so, which is a pretty cool stat, dude. Hey. Hey. Only one take, on the tour to get a top 10 every round. Yeah, dude. Take, I'll take that, that dude. Home. So, um, <laughs> looking for towards the tour, I think my expectation or my goals, you know, ex- my expectation is I'm going to have a ton of fucking fun. I mean, that's that's what goes without saying. I'm going to mm-hmm. have a blast. Looking forward to spending the time with the Jaeger family. They're awesome to me. Being on the road is yeah. just so I love I love hanging out unlike its own. Love hanging out with the Jaegers and, and traveling up and down the road with them. And it's all this big family thing, you know, and, and so they're really cool to me and everybody on the tour, because it's kind of one of those things like I was talking about the difference between California racing in the Midwest. I think over here for us, this speed week thing is so special to someone like me because I'm a relatively small budget guy. I got a small little open trailer in my pickup truck and, and we can schedule our year. Sometimes for me going back East and racing in Boone or doing some of that stuff is, is kind of out of you the realm and it's a stretch, you know, and, and not to say you to don't Boone. want, you can't do it ever. But you can't make a, a thing out of it. And this being right in my backyard, this gives you that little taste of what it's like to do this professionally. Yeah. This gives you that feeling of like, man, this is cool. And so so to take aside, you know, the hard work and the, the long hours and the drag that it can be, at the end of the day, I think this is something so special for us racers. And if you don't like this type of thing, you're just negative. I mean, you're you're so you 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 just starve for attention if you want to chop this thing down. Mm-hmm. And if you don't really enjoy this type of thing, then you shouldn't even be doing this racing. You're, you, those are the people who complain about California racing or participate in the negatives of California racing. As a racer, I think this is something that we need to really appreciate and say this is our opportunity to feel that whole I'm a professional driver. This is what I'm doing. I'm going track to track. I'm on tour. And so – I really feel that I enjoy this every single time, both times it's, it's happened. It's our fifteen minutes of fame. Yeah, basically. and and I can't wait to 
you know, make this a, a common thing. So, yeah. So that's, that's what it is for me. And I like, can't wait till next year already. So I yeah. Can do you it. Know? And my goal, <laughs> my goal is like last year we were, if I could have made one more show, I would have finished 550 50. So really, you know, I, I made two main events. I, I really wanted to make one more just to have mm-hmm. at least you made, made Petal- three. Petaluma and Petaluma and Hanford Hanford. There you yeah. Go. Hanford, we had a really good run in Petaluma. I was me too. I was telling you too at, at Petaluma <laughs> on the whole tour. We were talking on the phone on the way to that racetrack. Yeah. I said, "Man, I don't know, I don't know about most of these racetracks, but I'm telling you, Petaluma, I got that place. I can handle that." <laughs> and so, I'm looking forward to it that. It's funny again. too because in my interview after the races at Antioch, I told I think it was Wade. I told Wade that. Uh, if there was one track I was super nervous about, it was Hanford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, I, I mean, I'm really looking forward to that and hopefully they added some races. So really excited to go to Chico. Never been there. Um, really excited to go to Tulare. Only been there to watch. So I'd like to try to, to keep the racetracks that I made the show, maybe make one at Petaluma again, maybe follow it up with a good run at Hanford and try to get I want two to see more. you make the show at Antioch. Yeah, I'd like to try to get two more uh, features and at least finish 50-50. Anything better than that is a win for me, you know? So um, keep my expectations relative and uh, and my goals relative, but uh, ultimately just have fun and enjoy it. I'm on vacation. This is what I'm doing to have fun, and that's what I plan on doing. Yeah, that's fantastic. But, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Do you plan on racing any speed weeks? Nah, Nada. nah, as much as I want to, unless I can sneak like a, I don't know, like a sport mod ride in there for one of them or something like that. But I don't really, nah, I'll save my stuff and go for it next year. Maybe get 10 races next year. We yeah, got Watsonville chilling I mean, over there in Kern County. Yeah, and... who knows? I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe I think they... the only thing they don't do at Kern County is just because Kern County is not IMCA. I think. True. Yeah. Kern okay. County is not an IMCA sanctioned yeah. racetrack, so it kind of makes it hard, but. God dang, I never realized how big that racetrack is. But um, our old <laughs> familiar boy. One of those deals, too, is... Oh, and the other one. <laughs> is, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if this thing does grow or if it alternates racetracks. That's what I'd like to really see out of the Speed Week mm-hmm. is from year to year. Maybe next year it's not the same layout. I kind of... I'm inter- interested to see how this eight races goes in nine days with a day off. I think that's going to be really cool. Um I like that format. I want to see how it plays out. The six and six was cool. It was a grind because there was no time off, but it w- it was doable for most people because you could take a full week off of vacation. Um, this one's a little bit tougher for the working class guy, but I think it's going to be an interesting layout. I'd like to see if they, in the future, you know, pick and choose some different racetracks to throw in there. Maybe work Marysville into the mix or work Watsonville into the mix, mm-hmm. Ocean Speedway. Um, try some of these other places out would be interesting. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. But other dang, than that, this one's been a marathon, dude. Yeah, I mean, I think we tried to cover <laughs> as much as we can, and and like I said, I hope everybody dang. listened and and kind of just understood what some of our thoughts were. I mean, uh, hats off to the to the Miller family and Merced Speedway. And it was Doug a, Lockwood and Doug Lockwood. It was an amazing event, and I'm looking forward to to trying to see what happens with that next year and mm-hmm. see if we could do something. You know, I'm curious to see if they keep it at the same place, if they're going to wander still. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I do believe like, you know, the sport mods shouldn't race for 5000. And I think we tried to cover that and, and we won't 
beat a dead horse on yeah. it. Because before it was, it wasn't the sport mods. It was the pro stocks, right? Pro stocks. Yeah, it's been a, pro, yeah. it's been a primarily a pro stock deal. But uh, yeah. I think maybe make it switch it to an A mod race, you know, and and do that. But the Millers race sport mods, so so I can understand, yeah. But um, other than that, I I think we're pretty much good on everything else. I don't know. Anybody get, anybody else got some stuff before we wrap this deal? Are we up? doing our what is it Mount Rushmore that we have? That Want to do one real quick? I don't know if we got anything. Yeah, I think it's your turn this I time. I got all right. Uh, our generation, let's go. Okay, have you been to a middle school dance? Did you ever yeah. go to a middle school dance? Yeah. Middle school dance. Yeah. Okay. Top four songs that come on at a middle school dance that get you hyped. I don't know that I can name four. Right. It's go as be far tough as you can. I can't remember. Just songs that you remember from middle school. Let's throw it back a little bit. And songs that just so for inquiring minds, I went to <laughs> I went to Christensen Middle School in Livermore, California. To maybe some of my listeners, if we relate, um, <laughs> one of them there was uh, <laughs> the way he paused. I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm sure there was some pit bull involved. I'm I'm saying like. Seventh, eighth grade was right around 2009, 2008. Well, oh, for yeah, me. for you. It's yeah, 2008, right. 2009 for me. <laughs> like, um, so I would probably say, uh, what was one of them? It was Dance Dance by Fallout Boy was always on the list. So I'll what put that in one of them. Really? Yeah, that was on our thing. It was always at Dang, one. Dang, you guys got some clean music up in that. School. We had, we had. <laughs> Uh, there ha- some of the, I mean, there's probably some little so John does that stuff count as in there. one or two. That, w- that was one. Okay. I just said the one. So, cause that was the only title I'll count. Like a two was something from Lil John was on there oh, yeah. relating to him. <laughs> um, what's that to the window shit? That was, yeah. the, uh, <laughs> that the- was probably one <laughs> that was always on there. Played it also at every wedding in the fucking world. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> the cha-cha slide. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, what is that electric that slide? Or no, it's the called the cha-cha light. slide. Yeah, slide to the left. Yep, yeah, that was always. Slide. Is it called the cha-cha right. slide or yeah. something like Take that? Take it back now, y'all. Yeah, is it? Was it that? Yeah, it's a cha-cha slide. Mm. There's an electric slide, a cha-cha slide, and then there's a couple other ones. But the cha-cha, cha-cha slide was smooth. a big one. Yeah, see, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was always. Yeah, that was one. I so think- that's three, and then the fourth one was probably. Oh. Okay, it always ended with um, that Aerosmith song. The uh, come on, Aerosmith. Yeah, well, it's a it's a cover. It was like a cover of uh, what is it? (laughs) Somebody go and I'll save that as my fourth. I'm gonna (laughs) gonna gonna find it. All right, so I think I remember always, always. This is when he was big with Soldier Boy. uh, Crank Crank that, that. yeah, crank that Soldier Boy. uh, what was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was it? Uh, Soldier Boy Toe. <laughs> um, Little John, yeah, too. Um, Chris Brown. Was Get always, Low yeah. is a specific one that I remember. Chris that Bra- is that is to the windows, to the walls. Yeah, it's yeah. Get Low. Um, Chris Brown was always hella big. I, I can't remember really any of his songs, though. But, Run uh, It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember. I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See me, run it, run yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. um, and then what was the other one? <laughs> I remember Nelly was kind of pretty big too, like when um, hot in her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. buddy. Him or uh, what? Uh, what's the one, Nelly? Um, I think it is that. 
is getting hot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's see. I got okay. So I, I know one that I'm gonna save for last because I guarantee you everybody at this table is gonna know. But um, it's had to have been something T Pain related. Also, he was on. I here. was thinking of that, but that is not the one that I was talking about. There was a uh, but for. Hang t- on, I got it. Oh, this is my fourth. Don't want to miss a thing. My Aerosmith. If oh, you guys heard it, that was always I what don't they end. Yeah, yeah, that was what they really? ended. You found that girl, bro. You no, you okay. hugging or whatever. So, leave room, for, <laughs> leave room for Jesus. You know, whatever it was. But that was that was always the. Were you the into close. a Christian school? No, no. Oh. It just said Christian <laughs> sin. Oh no, 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 no. Our, no it was it was nasty no, our, in there, boy. Our freak. <laughs> we were wild. Our um. That Jersey was, Shore was in my my middle school time, so there was a lot of influences of like white pants. <laughs> wearing the side we hats. had white pants and like tap out gear and stuff no like way. that. No oh. way. So yeah. I remember kids used to wear South tap pole? out, bro. South Pole. I never rocked the South Pole stuff, but <laughs> sometimes I laugh no, at um, some of my rock revival. So our jeans. slow dance song was always "Say Goodbye" by Chris Brown. Uh, I'm trying to remember how you don't go. remember that one. I don't think so. Say Goodbye by Chris Brown was always, or um, there was another one by, oh, God. I'm going to have to look this up now. Dude, I can't hold this no more, longer. What's oh, your, One what? Wish by Ray J. Oh, okay, yeah, I remember that. I remember yeah, that. One Wish by Ray J or Say Goodbye by Chris Brown was the two slow songs that were always playing. And then I, I was Kiss Me Through the Phone. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There was um, some Pitbull stuff, too, that was always popping for us. Um, and then the one that the the girls always liked was Hips Don't Lie. Oh, Shakira? Shakira. Yeah. That was interesting. I but, never really listened to me. Okay, so my Shakira. last one, and that wasn't really four, but my last one that stands out above all of them was Yeah by Usher. Oh, yeah. Pizza, I that. Yeah. A-Town Down. And all the kids would go running out of the bathroom and the snack yeah. shack. Yeah, yeah, that was dude. That, was, <laughs> that one was wild. Or um, no, Tyga wasn't really. Oh, until, what like, was school. the um, Disturbia? Fire, uh, oh, Rihanna. Oh, was yes, always, was always popping. Yeah. I even tweeted that the other Ooh, day because um, I heard the song. I was like, "Yo, Disturbia by Rihanna will always be a banger." Yeah. No, like, no, on. London Bridge by Fer er, by Fergie. See, I'll I didn't have that. Every time you that one around. wasn't always because that was a little <laughs> no, insinuative that for for probably my school. <laughs> London Bridge was never around. <laughs> the circles, dude. You remember those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come the on, circles, come dude. on. Dude, it was some weird times, man. We can't like, even ask Brandon what his is because his is like Maroon Five from like 2019. I never went. Oh yeah, that's true. I've only been to one prom and I fell asleep at prom, and that was now I went. Wow. To, I went to more middle school dances than I did in high school. By the time no, I got to I high went school, to all the high school one, Rack like, City by Tyga. Yeah, by the time or, I went to high school, I was like or that, Wiz Khalifa. That was big. I was like then. that anti-establishment kid. Like I didn't want to be a part of anything. I was like a little <laughs> Black Eyed Peas. Uh, oh, Sean Paul too. Temperature. That was another one. I remember Sean Paul. That's a come on, give it to That's Sean Kingston. Oh, never yeah, mind. Yeah. <laughs> that one was always on yeah. there too. Come on, uh, man. Sean Paul. Sean Paul's the temperature guy. Come on, give it to. Come on, give it to. Come on, get. And he had that like Jamaican accent. Huh. Oh yeah. Yeah, we had uh, one of them. Big was like, I know you want the me. Yin by Yang Pitbull, all the Yin Yang. Oh, the Whisper song too. Hey, how you doing, little mama? Let me whisper. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody <laughs> was just violated on this podcast <laughs> from that. <laughs> Whisper from Florida too was big. 
Whistle. Oh, you know what? Yeah, some whistle. of the Flo Rida stuff was big, yeah. too. What was some of that? Oh. Or um, oh, Black Eyed Peas, like Boom Boom Pow. My, ha- that- my house was boom, later. Boom, 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 gotta get down. Yeah, boom, I guess boom, boom, Yeah, that was big. Yeah. <laughs> Gingham style. No, no that, that never took off. That, 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 that was in high school, bro. That was the banger at, when I was in middle school. Everybody talked about that song, and here I am listening to country. I didn't even know. That was like, when, what was that one? Um, Harlem Shake. Yeah, and it didn't oh, have yeah. like. Yeah, none of that really, none of that really took off. What's like, the one where they had the mannequin challenge? Remember, that, right that round, was, right round was always popular. Oh, yeah, that, yeah that's what I was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What else is on here? Oh, uh, Apple Bottom Jeans was a p- banger, oh, dog. Yes. In the high. No, I we mean, weren't. Able, we could play that at fucking at school. Bentley lo- really? Yeah. Bentley yeah, we had Apple Bottom song. Jeans was banging what, what in Christmas school. Did you go school? to uh, Bellevue Elementary? Oh, you at? were that was oh in the Central Valley. Yeah. Yeah, they probably did. See, I went to over there. I went you to probably old... <laughs> over there in the Central Valley. You were like line or school dances was all like Brooks and Dunn, Boot Scootin' Boogie <laughs> hey, or something. Don't like be that. talking. Uh... Don't be talking shit. <laughs> yeah, that's, wait, that's how your school was, huh? Yeah. No, this, it, well, <laughs> your, middle school, your middle school. You went to the same middle school. Well, as that me. yeah, Park. We went to, we went to Boogie, Old huh? Park right over here. Oh, uh, you guys got down probably a bit. Oh, dude, the Bay Area. Yeah. I have no idea. I was the only one. E forty. Tell me when to go. That's another one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anything yeah. Green Day. <laughs> yeah. Green Day. Nah, that was Green too Day. Slow. That was like slitting your high school dance <laughs> or a middle school dance. Boulevard of Broken Dreams. I'm just naming off stuff that I listened I to when I was alone. that age. Dude, I never listened to that when I was like in. I can't elementary. believe you've never listened to Say Goodbye. By Dude, who? That like blows my mind. Chris Brown. I probably heard it. I just don't remember the. I don't remember the titles of the names. You have. Oh well, you know. Also, right in my middle school days, Lady Gaga was really firing off. So oh, probably yeah. like um, Poker Face. Yeah, that was probably banging at the time. <laughs> I want to say that was in my. Or what was her first year? single that came out? There was one that was really played uh, out. Dang it, dude! Poker Face is the only one that like stands out for Paparazzi. Me. Oh no, yeah, that was later well, on. Well, yeah, that, I think that was later, but that's another one. Kesha was big when you guys Kesha, when yeah. was in high school. Kesha was really big. Good pull, Brandon. Good pull. Good pull. <laughs> That's a good one, dude. Whatever I, happened to her, bro? She like died. I don't off know. Her. She went crazy or something. No, she had. It was that whole like poker face was pretty pretty wild. She had like some sex scandal with her producer. Oh damn! Yeah, obviously. Uh, bad romance was pretty banging at the time, dude. That was back when like. Hannah Montana was big. Bro, Justin what? Bieber. <laughs> just ask, uh, no, just Justin dance. Bieber just was Just Dance was banging at the time. I just think. Dance. Gonna yeah. be okay. Yeah. Do, do. I mean, that was 2008. Neo <laughs> um, was really big back then, too. Yeah, Jason Derulo was pretty oh. banging at the time. What were some of yeah. his, his jaunts? Or uh, Akon. Yeah. Smack yeah. that. Uh huh. Yep. 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 One day, Brent and David Michael Rose or, will have um, to bring back their hairstyle. Dude, from that high was school. a thing. I couldn't find the pictures of myself. I looked just like them, but except they had the straight hair that looked like a scene yeah, like girl. curl. Huh? I had the the curl. I had dude, the and just, I wore. Dude, I had the Justin Bieber flick down to a T. Yeah, dude. dude I. I just, tried, but I had this crazy. Gross. Can you grow it hair. out like that anymore? J- I hey, try not. To Jacob Haas used to have some nuts. really long ass hair too. Yeah, dude. Him Have you looked David at us both... in, and like the the 
middle well, there's school that time. infamous picture that goes around of me and David with our skateboards that's on the sidewalk. That's hilarious. And I was just the blonde one. Was that That's David. David. Kid Rock. He looks like Kid. Yeah, he looked like Brett Michaels. Yeah, we had the tightest pants and the fattest etnies. That was the thing. Etnies. Yeah, dog. Or DBS. The upside down. The upside down E. The M. Yeah. It looked like an M. You're like, what is that? And you could go online and order custom ones too. That was like the big thing back then. With too. Yeah, I never was. David's an Osiris. Dude, our parents still to this. Day, Our parents are probably listening to this like they bought the stuff for us. What are they <laughs> laughing at? You know, globes. I was I was globes, never the yeah. tight. I or, was never the or, tight. Or um, Osiris's. Osiris, DVS. The big old moon boot Osiris's. Yeah. I had ones that were based after the Tron movie and they were all black with like neon all over them. That was back when Heelys were cool, too. Oh, I had no. Nah, I wasn't. My mom would never let me have Healy. She didn't want me ripping around in the stores. Like that. <laughs> really? Acting, acting an ass, dude. I was flying in the fucking aisles, dude. dude I was like, like, you would grab a, home. you would grab a shopping cart and almost do like tandem races. <laughs> Get a bunch of speed and just roam straight. <laughs> dude, I remember I came out in front of some lady, just <laughs> she just looked at. Me. I'm looking back, like, yeah. You just see this lady throw her groceries in the air, like ah. Oh my gosh, that was fun too. And then I remember I had broke mine, and I got the ones that had the two. They had the two wheels. Oh yeah, remember those? Yeah, Nate Dog's another one. Now see, now that was a little too. Uh, or tracks a million. Yeah, that was probably too little West Coast for my school at the time. Like some of that gangster rap, you know what I'm saying? But that's not gangster. Nate Dog was. <laughs> nah. Yeah, dude, he was part of that West Side nah. Connections. And no, shit. we're not talking like D'Lo or anything. But uh, all right, so I just googled 2010 club songs roughly. <laughs> oh, DJ God is falling in love, banger. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, banger. Come on. Um, only girl in the world, banger. What else? <laughs> Super bass, banger. Uh, like a G6. Oh, oh. Far East movement. Woo! Far East. Movement. Um. Yeah. Oh, you know who used to be good too is um the guy that sang "Let It Rock." What Kevin Rudolph? Let it rock, let it rock. Oh, party like rock. a rock star. Oh, too, that was another one. Too. Yeah. What What was that one group with the guy with the big old afro? Like, oh, LMFAO. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sexy and I know it. That was pretty or banger. LMFAO rocked me, a rock to shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were pretty banger. Now he's by himself. Did you know that? No, I didn't. The even dude know with they the afro is it. by himself. I felt like after a couple songs, that was about all you could have of them. <laughs> that was it. Shots. Well, Shots. Yeah, yeah. Lil Wayne was cool, but I don't. But think that was, was Lil Wayne. Lil, yeah. or no, not Lil Wayne. Um, that was Lil John. Lil John was yeah. in Shots. I know, but we like. I think we grew up in a weird time with like before all the trap rap stuff and like drug user music that we that had today. started. So that we started were in high school because yeah. that was like Wiz Khalifa and um, yeah. Tyga. Yeah, we were at the beginning of the drug user rap, and we were at the tail end of the drug dealer rap. Like Jay Z was our shit back in the day. Like uh, yeah. I think I caught the tail end of the Jay Z. Oh, I was wave. listening to Dr. Dre when I pulled up. When yeah, like here. for me, I fall down the rabbit hole big time. Like kids these days, and they don't understand who Tupac was. Oh, that's disappointing to me. Like if you did not take the time and listen to Tupac, Biggie, rest in peace, DMX, dog. Yeah, but like if you didn't take the time to fall down that. Oh man, that's some Dude, stuff. Dude, as soon bro. as I hear DMX, I hear the dog 
bark. Or, or. You know, I was, I was playing back after I found out he died. I was falling down the rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. like his, I uh, have his performance in the overalls at Woodstock 99, where he's mm-hmm. just the red over. Oh, dude. So that hold on, hold on. This is, this is my. Right, let's, this close, is, let's close it out with this. This is my vision. We're this getting is my too far right down this hole. Speed weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Sport mod or A mod feature? As you guys are rolling onto the racetrack, start playing the DMX. Um, what's the song? The um, the anthem. The uh, oh my god, how lose my mind or whatever or the no other no one no no. Like, so when we were in quarter midgets, they always played "Let's Get It Started" by Black Eyed Peas when we'd roll out on the track. Well, they also let us choose. Oh yeah, the the pool. person that started on the pole. Got to pick what song they wanted for Rough like Riders the, Anthem. Rough Riders, Rough yeah. Riders Anthem. Dude, imagine as you guys are rolling onto the track, dude, fucking just playing hey, Rough Riders Anthem. That's always been the best part I'll give. X like, gonna give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- some of this stuff was so, so fire. You would obviously know. have to find a clean version, but. Yeah, you, uh, yeah you're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> that was like, I always appreciate it. I mean, what, like, how do you not love a man who. Got Did you know that most of his over, most of his music was gospel music? It probably. was considered gospel music. But his he he gets yeah. in a high speed chase with the police. Then when he gets stopped, he tries to say that he is an FBI agent. This is the man we're dealing with, man. DMX, rest oh his God. soul, dog. But hey, this has been a great episode. So we really fell off the wagon. But if you listen till this point. Thank you. Happy, <laughs> bir- happy birthday real quick to Carl Barents and Peyton. Oh, yeah, Peyton. Yeah, happy yeah. birthday. Shout out. Yeah. That's where Brown Town's at, so we got to yeah, we'll, uh, hold it down here, but happy birthday. But, hey, this has been a great show. We're looking forward to Speed Weeks coming up. We're going to be heading out on Thursday. This will be when this comes out on maybe Tuesday. What are we thinking, Brent? Tuesday, Wednesday, I hope. Yeah, Hopefully, so Tuesday, I Wednesday. Really it'll want, be, I really want Tuesday. Tuesday, Wednesday, it'll be even closer to Speed Week. So hopefully, we can get you guys fired up. You can listen. You can listen to this on the way down to the race. Yeah, you got plenty of time driving down to Bakersfield. How long have we been going? Do you know? I don't know. Does it, it doesn't tell you a time on there? No, I told you. Remember, this gives me bars. I don't uh, even know what bars now. translates to. So maybe this has been, hopefully this has been long hours, enough. I think. This might Dude, have been we're at least been almost two hours, yeah. Yeah, this might be long enough to get you halfway to Bakersfield from here. So if you're listening, check us out, man. We'll see you down the road. All righty. We'll Peace see out, you guys. y'all. Later.